stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Welcome to 2019! And we're still talking about stuff from 2018. Welcome to Motorsport 101. You are the world champion! Welcome to episode 175 of Motorsport 101, and we're back! Hello, everybody! Happy New Year, everybody! Welcome to 2019. So, of course, we start the year by talking about stuff that happened in December. Totally makes sense. <laughs> Did I mention we're professional podcasters here on this show? Hey, prof- hey, Dre, Dre, if you listen to the last episode, people would assume this episode would have been out already. Mm, this is true, but hey, you guys all got Christmas off. You're all welcome. Aren't I generous? <laughs> so you- generous. See, you guys love me as a podcast host. You guys just don't want to admit it. It's as simple as that. Like, now eat your raw meat and get back to work. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, but uh, welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a lovely Christmas season and New Year. Welcome to 2019. We're recording this on January 2nd. So uh, we're well into the New Year already. Like a whole, you know, 46 hours and <laughs> whatnot. It's, it's, it's a good time for all involved. Joining me, as usual, um, is Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Hey, uh, let's just talk about racing and no other sport, please. And in the red corner, as always, talking about darts. Hello, RJ O'Connell. Hello. <laughs> yes, hi. And uh, I think we also need to congratulate Ryan King on a great move forward in his career. Uh, with stocks at his employer now falling to less than a dollar a share. He's now the CEO of a major American retail company. <laughs> Fam, I won't say which one, but you know, you know which one if it's below a dollar a share. <laughs> it's not that one. Their stores are already closed. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the I, I, Bills finished six and ten, and I'm I'm resigned to this. It's fine. Uh, you see, he found the razor. He found the razor blade in the cake again, didn't you, RJ? Uh, to be fair, I knew that was coming again to start the season. Uh, what did I say? The cake is the cake is baked inside of the razor. The razor itself is actually just a giant table that's burning, and we're jumping through it from the top of our truck. Sounds about right. Sounds about right for Buffalo these days. King, how's that number one pick looking? Ah, oh, man, I I just want a head coach. <laughs> I just want to Yes, t- Todd, Todd Bowles, a casualty of Black Monday in the NFL, which... It was unnecessary! Uh, didn't something happen, didn't something other coaching change happen as well in between episodes involving a team that Dre really likes? And I really like as well. Um, yeah, all I, all I can say is, uh, man, Manchester United, they, they, must be, uh, they must be playing a bunch of hobbits lately, because they're taking them to the Shire. <laughs> Jose Mourinho is gone. It is a Christmas miracle, truly. Because in in the time since we've last recorded a show, Jose Mourinho got sacked, and Oli's got a skull shy. Who is that new manager? Champions League hero himself has won four consecutive games. I do not know what's happened. This does not make any sense. But it's happened, and I'm surprisingly okay with it. It's like, you know, 
All he got a skull shot is out here. They're playing attacking football. It's nice to watch. He smiles and everywhere. Also, it's lovely. Yes. Yes, and also America's greatest uh, greatest soccer at sport just uh, secured a transfer to Chelsea FC. So we have a so we're gonna have a much more fans blue about this time whenever they actually can play there and uh, stop playing for Dortmund. Yeah, it's starting next season. Yes, they lo- they loaned him back to Dortmund immediately, so he's gonna be at Dortmund until May. Hooray! So, uh, yeah, like, uh, all the American bandwagon fans who jumped on the Fulham wagon when Clint Dempsey was a thing are probably now going to jump right on the Chelsea wagon because America. Ain't that right, RJ? Uh, Listen, as a day one Atlanta United supporter, I have have no interest in, uh, I have no interest in switching allegiances unless it was to get away from Piers Morgan, which is entirely valid. Sure. But why, but why should I have to change teams? He's the one who sucks. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> oh. Hey, hey, or you could just be like day one Everton supporter, ne- never leaving, <laughs> never leaving. Shout out to Tim Howard, <laughs> literally putting the entire American side in his back where where nobody could beat the Great Wall of Courtois. Out a boy, out a boy. It's that, that is a good one. <laughs> right. Also, RJ, we have to talk about the seven madness, don't we? Oh, we do. Um, by the way, congratulations to Lewis Sutterby for winning the inaugural Motorsport 101 Bike Flag December Madness Pool just by being able to pick one of the people that went to the final. Yeah, we all, we, we all shit the bed and we all picked Gary Anderson to win the damn thing, except... I picked an all-Scottish final! <laughs> yeah, so so did I. Like, I, I I had Gary Anderson versus Peter Wright <laughs> to make the final. And Peter Wright got eliminated in round one. My bracket immediately set itself on fire. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, uh, the round of 64, we had a lot of upsets. Like, 13 top-seeded players all went down. And the thing is, like... I don't know if there's like a prevailing opinion that like somehow this is bad that so many players, seeded players, got dropped in the first round. The standard of play in the PGC is so high that I'm fine with this. The top 32 of the order of merit has like 48 people in it. Yeah, it sounds about right. It says a lot when like last year it was the it was the miracle run of Jamie Fireball Lewis, and this year it was the breakout run of Nathan the Asp Aspinall who has now launched himself into the top 32 because he won £100,000 for making the semifinals, which is mental. And hey, he fell on his sword in beautiful fashion to Michael Smith, who would go on to make said final, um, losing 6-3. But uh, it really was the tournament of the young'un. I mean, it says a lot when Dimitri Vandenberg, who is like the poster boy for the young'uns, didn't make it past the round of, around the round of 32. And Luke Humphreys... Nathan Aspinall did. It was mental in that sense. Luke Humphreys beat the reigning champion and knocked him out of the tournament. Yeah. There was another dancing player, and it wasn't Dimitri Vandenberg. Devin Peterson made it all the way to the damn quarters. Yeah, and kept his tour card. (laughs) He actually got to stay on the tour because he he went long enough to, to, to make it to the quarterfinals and got back into the top 64 in the order of merit. Um, it's it's mental. Like and like as a result, famous darts broadcaster and CM Punk fan Bill Nicholson lost his card. That's how cra- <laughs> that's how crazy it was. <laughs> oh, t- maybe it, I believe it was like 
yeah, it was like 13 of the 32 seed players all dropped in their first night in the tournament, including the number three ranked player, the number six ranked player, the number seven, number eight, the number 11, the number 13, number 14, and 15, and the guy who was seated number 17 who's been playing cruise control the last two years. Hi, Barney. <laughs> it it was crazy but uh it, it, amazingly in a tournament of total upsets the one person who was completely unflappable was michael van Gerwen, who won his third world title and averaged 103 over the entire tournament to win the whole damn thing including a 7-3 beating of michael smith in the final um and a six to one beating of gary anderson who had just came off of two stressful matches that went to the final set no wonder that man allegedly has gas. All he does is play stressful matches. I know, right? Like he he was staring down the barrel of a gun when Jermaine Watamina in round two had a match dart at a one seventy finish on the ball to knock Anderson out. Um, Chris Toby almost had a beat too. And, and averaged a, uh, averaged a hundred point nine in the process and almost took Gary down. It was. It was nothing but pure stress, and Anderson's back completely collapsed in the semi-final, carrying himself and to that we, point. Yes. <laughs> and then we were just like, oh man, I want whatever it, kind of ibuprofen he's taken. And then, well, Michael Van Gerwen just put a, put a whole lot of pain in that lower back. Yeah, all of it. All of it. In a 6-1 beating that took barely an hour. I, I, I do not understand dart sometimes. But, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> you know. I don't understand. I like her champion. Michael Michael Smith's gonna be fine. He pocketed yeah. two hundred. He took pocketed two hundred grand. He had a pretty much a lot for the Premier League. Yeah, he's back in. Um, yeah, there's rises there, but yeah, like two like people don't realize like Van Gogh took home the biggest payday in the history of darts. Like five hundred a million, five hundred thousand pounds. Not bad for two weeks' work, huh? And Christmas off. That's not bad for two weeks' work in what is basically just like a glorified indoor bar and costume party. Yeah, at the Addy Party, where everyone has funky costumes and pretends they're Donald Trump. It's great, apparently. Nobody <laughs> nobody beat, on the first day of the tournament, the uh, the group of people that dressed up as giraffes. That was untouchable. And they got I free also, t-shirts. Also, Lisa Ashton and Anastasia Dobromislova were stars, and I'm very upset that they've lost their first matches, although I am very glad that Lisa Ashton at least won her first set. Um, mm -hmm. I had I had gone with the gentleman's pick of uh, seeing Paul Lim through the first round. That didn't happen. Um, American loses to Belgium. Um, what a surprise there. Um, um <laughs> I love all the uh, the Sky Sports promos with a song about a, that has a line: "Put your back into it." While they're playing, while they're playing matches against dudes who have noted back problems, like Vincent Vanderport and Gary Anderson and Murphy yep. King. Um, um, let's see. Uh, James Wade was very animated against Sego Sada, and then dropped to Ryan Joyce. Um, what other hot takes? So yeah, we we covered Barnabelt just doesn't look good. I mean, he's gonna get that awesome pop when he shows up in the Netherlands for the Premier League, even if he drops a seventy burger. But it's yeah. but it's gonna be a very effortless looking seventy burger. Emphasis sure. on effortless. <laughs> it's gonna be a fun time. More more December madness next year, and congrats to Lewis on winning the bracket challenge. He had he was the only guy who had the stones not to pick MVG or Anderson to win the whole damn thing, and he got some place money because he bet him at fourteen to one to win the damn thing each way. It's it's uh it's it's a trip that's for sure. 
Um, places you can find us real quick before we get into the real meat and potatoes of this week's show. Um, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at uh, Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow us our handles personally, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's in two Ks, and at RJ O'Connell. Um, and if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and our sister show, Bike Live. Um, but Bike Live will be back in a couple of weeks' time. And of course, hey, Motorsport 101, all that fun stuff. Um, you get at least a day early before everybody else does. And if you're back us at the $10 level, you can join our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. So I like to call them now the peanut gallery because they're all a bunch of heathens. Um, hi, Cam. You're definitely a heathen, as are you, Toki. Hi. <laughs> Um, I, I, just just throwing that one out there. Um, but uh, yeah, they're definitely heathens. Although, stay tuned on the Discord front. That's all I will say. Um, stick around for that. We might be opening it up a little bit very soon. Just stay tuned for our next episode. In the meantime, before we really get into the meat and potatoes of the action, as well. Oh, one more thing before we, before we move on as well. I forgot to mention. Our website, motorsport101.com, more written blogs on there as well. Dre vs. Dre is back on there as well in a fun piece I wrote about Max Verstappen. He's a confusing animal, just just to say the least. So I, I thought, hey, why, why, not, why not have me write 2,000 words breaking it down? It's a fun time. It's called Trodingers Verstappen. It's out right now. Have a read. Enjoy. Part 2 of the season review will be out by the time this goes out as well. So, without further ado, let's get into the main meat and potatoes of this week's episode. Oh, that comes later. It's the Autosport Top 50, that yearly tradition. But first, we'll talk about some 2018 motorsport and Saudi Arabia and the season opener of Season 5 of Formula E. Back, your favorite hipster motorsport series. You're welcome. It's like, whoa, but okay. <laughs> Am I wrong though? Really? Saying it's definitely not hipster at all. <laughs> it is. It is the least hipster motorsport there probably is. I mean, that's true. I mean, what's hipster about having KSI on uh, on YouTube Sensation and uh, boxing legend KSI on, uh, on on Formula E programming? Uh, but yeah, Formula E weekend, uh, Saudi Arabia, we have, we have talked about it many occasions, so I don't think we have to discuss that any further, nope. uh, but one thing that no one saw heading into the weekend, rain, lots of it. Y- jeez, like for the first time ever in Formula E, I think we've even had it during a practice or a qualifying session, have we, King? Like, I think it's been... No. It's been teased on numerous occasions. Like, oh, guys, there's rain in the area. We might get rain. Like, if... Yeah. So, the closest they've ever had a session being washed out was uh, New York two years ago when the shakedown on Friday got rained out. But that's not an official session, so it doesn't really count as a rained out session. 
Yeah, should we also throw it back to the Zoe Hamilton special of uh, wanting a race in Glasgow? Um, right. Just so it can rain all the time. Yeah, if you had if you had Adria in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, as the first official place to have an official rained out session, you're fucking lying. <laughs> line, man. Yeah, yeah. Although, Saudi Arabia. Although, in fairness, I've seen it spit buckets and cutter before. Yes. Like that, 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 that's the thing. Like it does rain occasionally, and like, like as you mentioned, Qatar World Superbikes had race two cancelled in Qatar in November, purely before Moto G- MotoGP had their main race delayed for like an hour or some some mess like up like a year ago it, it wasn't it wasn't a million miles ago when they had to move an entire race to monday because it rained out on the sunday night and you can't race in the wet in qatar because the moisture affects the the the, the way the light hits the track so it's it's ridiculously dangerous you can't race cutter a- is cutter is better equipped for wet racing and on bikes and silverstone circuit let that be known <laughs> That is a sad but actual fact. Oh. <laughs> that is a terrible fact, but he's absolutely right. You know how frustrating that is as a British guy. To the, like once again, we got shoddy builders in to fix Silverstone, and look what happens. <laughs> there's uh, a Brexit. Tweet, there's a Brexit joke in concern. there somewhere. <laughs> please tweet your concerns at Aggregate UK. Yeah, and be careful in case they don't sue you. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was a thing. Like, we had, like, what was it, two practice sessions washed out, King? If I remember correctly. Yeah, both of the practice sessions got washed out. They had to, uh, re- they had to insert an emergency practice session into the schedule. <laughs> Just they can get used to the track in these brand new cars. Probably for the best, they slotted a, 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 an emergency session in there. And it dried out for qualifying, though, didn't it, King, if I remember, if I remember correctly? Yes, and because of the emergency practice session, they had to reformat qualifying. So instead of having four groups, uh, they had to shrink it down into two groups. And didn't they change it this year so it's like on championship order now? Or something like that? Because I know there was, like, a lot of... Con- I know, like, and this sounds like I'm a running joke, but Lucas Degrassi complained about this. <laughs> like, stop me if you've heard that one before. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. It was something specific to the emergency. Um, because of the massively packed groups uh, in two 15-minute sessions, drivers were only allowed one qualifying run. Outlap, sighting lap, flying lap, in lap. Yikes. So it was basically one-shot qualifying. That's uh, with traffic for, for, for added difficulty. <laughs> yep, you you got to choose whatever you wanted to go in the 15 minutes, but once you got out there, you were out there. Yep, that, like this is a one-shot deal, people. This is a one-shot deal. Uh, suck it up, and uh, t- yeah, it was a, it was a fun time for all involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, King, tell us a little bit about qualifying, and a, a, I guess you could say a surprising name on pole. I mean, yeah, but if, if there was no way it was going to get any less surprising, uh, Antonio, Antonio Felix Acasa on pole uh, in his BMW, and a lot of people thought it was a joke that it was something to be taken seriously. When Audi, after preseason testing, said. Oh, BMW's the fastest. <laughs> I, I love yeah. that no one believed them. <laughs> yeah, no one believed them. Yeah, we saw them put up, like, headline times of preseason testing, but we thought, yeah, that's just preseason testing, and this was the worst team in Formula E last yeah. year. Granted, this yes. was before BMW backed up the money truck. 
we're kind of thinking like, okay, yeah, that's testing in one lap, but it could be so different during the race. And well, Antonio Felix Scott took pole position. That's a very good start. It did, yes. And just just for as a comparison, his teammate Alexander Sims qualified eleventh, two point six seconds back. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. Um, bit of a gap, so so to speak, on that front. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, it'll, it'll be a story. It'll be a story thread that'll continue during the race. But the lack of any practice, and this also being the first race in a new gen car, um, pretty much anything could happen. I mean, safe to say, King, the Apple Car got rocked a little bit here and there. Yes, considering that uh, ooh, both versions got their time deleted, so they had to start from the mm-hmm. back. Uh, both Neo cars failed to set a time. <laughs> it's let, let's just say there was TV problems. <laughs> yes, people uh, had issues with the format, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, Lucas complained about it. Didn't like how like one group had a distinct advantage, and then, you know, there's. It's kind of an unavoidable problem when it comes to Formula E and qualifying. It's like, you can't, the, the tracks are too small to put 22 cars out there at once. you got to split them, and unfortunately you can't run them all at the same time. That's just how it's got to run. There's no there's no real safe way of doing it. I mean, King, could you imagine like 22 cars out there in a qualifying session at the same time? <laughs> that would be fucking chaos. Yeah, especially in a 15-minute session, it would be chaos. But also, other issues, other teething issues probably caused by the small track. This year's new feature to the Formula E Championship, Attack Mode. And Which is the- always written in capital letters. <laughs> all caps, all the time. Uh, the Attack Mode activation zone was at the exit of the last corner during during the shakedown, drivers had issues because the activation zone was pretty much right after the apex. So you had to slow down on corner apex to hit the activation zone. Um, you could see where there would be issues with yep. that. Uh, as uh, Jose Maria Lopez proved when he actually missed the zone in the last stages of the race. Um, no, no, no. Uh, they changed it. They moved the zone further away. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just... They moved this, the, the, the zone further away from the apex so you didn't have to slow down literally in the middle of the corner where someone could hit you. Yeah, that probably... Yeah, that, that sounds like a really bad idea originally. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, they, they moved it further down. We're going to get to that. Uh, actually, we could talk about it right now. Antonio Felix Tacasa misses uh, the activation zone during the race twice he's the only person who missed it period <laughs> oh dear and like like am i right in saying king i think it was like four minutes of the car running at like quarterfine speed basically uh no uh we'll get to that at the end about the issues uh with gen 2 that the drivers have but heading heading into the race we have Antonio Felix Sacasa on pole, the defending champion John Eric Vernon second, and third. Actually, whoa. Uh, yeah, it it's it was DaCosta ahead of Lopez, ahead of I want to say that's Sebastian Buemi. There were a lot of qualifying penalties. They got drivers get punted down to the back of the grid. 
Yes, because in a lot of the angst to set a competitive qualifying time with their only run, a lot of drivers abuse the rules to try to get a faster time. Because uh, Formula E rules state that you have to start your qualifying run on a full battery. Uh, you're, you can actually go a bit faster if you empty out some Chill. of your batteries. <laughs> Because, uh, just like, it's the same thing in Formula 1, where they have regenerative regenerative braking, brake by wire, so if you're not using the regen, you're not braking as quickly. Yeah, that that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, and it's Formula E. Like, if if, if you've been following Formula E for a long time, this is the series that bends the rules almost every race. It's fun. (laughs) Like, even when it comes to underwear. Especially with the underwear. (laughs) Oh, and we're going to talk about more of the penalties afterwards, but, like, Formula E covered up a lot of loopholes, and a lot of drivers didn't like that they covered up a lot of loopholes. Carry on, King. Fascinating. Uh, Felipe Massa, who got fan boost during the race. Uh, Felipe Massa got uh, doubly penalized for using fan boost early, because not only did he use it before the 22nd minute of the race, when you're allowed to use it, he was also given another penalty for using fan boost for too long. <laughs> How do you use fan boost for too long? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the Vegas E pre special. Oh, <laughs> the Vegas E pre special. Was Bono Huis operating the fan boost button this 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 weekend? <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> oh no! Like, but actually, on to the race and. Ooh, the shenanigans hit before yeah. the lights even went out because yeah. Antonio Felix Acosta lined up accidentally at an angle in his grid spot. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, you, know, <laughs> you know those Formula One races where you see guys like point, like try to intimidate someone by pointing their car. And it was like, yeah, I'm gonna launch my car right here. It's like the Costas is like almost at like 45 degrees about how lopsided it is it was completely ridiculous 45 degrees towards the retaining wall on his left <laughs> yeah like not even the right way it's like it's it's like it's, that is like that is completely ridiculous um and like if he 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 tried to reverse his car to try to line up straight and it just it helped a little bit but he could he didn't have enough room to actually fix his car and and they just let him go like that didn't they he's just like ah oh, fuck it <laughs> yeah because yeah, he, he, he be... wasn't ahead of the line so he was fine <laughs> yeah it's like it's like yeah. it, it still looked weird it's like that one time i watched pascal verline do it in austria it finally came in handy <laughs> pascal verline not appearing at this adoria epre sigh the Costa gets a good start. Uh, can't say the same for Edo Martara, whose race lasted 30 seconds before he stuffed it into these tech pro barriers. Straight in the wall. But I'll never forget. I'll never forget the little reaction overlay. <laughs> you got to remember oh my that. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So Formula E has new television graphics now. And with that, you know, if something bad happens to a driver, uh, they'll pop up like a television graphic that's just a, the driver just like sad face or pretend crying or shrugging their shoulders or folding their arms and it's great (laughs) it is brilliant like see it's it's like sunday night football on crack uh t sizzle ball so hard university (laughs) atari bigby university of jar rastafari (laughs) and aro mortara i'm a bit too friendly with this wall basically 
And uh, yeah, it, like I must admit, I, I, I saw that happen with Felipe Massa during I think one of the practice sessions, um, the emergency one, and that was actually really funny. That's that's a genuinely great touch. All we need now is like Nick Heinfeld's funky glasses routine from from Twitter, and it's perfect, basically. But uh, yeah, well, Tara's race was about thirty seconds long. He put it in the turn one wall straight away. I that like that was sigh. Just 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 yeah. It's like. Uh cutting out a lot of what happened it felt like uh i would say probably around a third of the way through the race uh things ended up shaking out to seemingly there was three contenders for the race win antonio felix acosta and both of the cheetahs of andrew of uh andre lotter and uh jean eric Verne. Yeah, and with 20 minutes to go, John Eric Byrne lines up a sensational pass on DaCosta. I'm watching the highlights of the loop mm-hmm. just to try and jog my memory. And man, one thing I could say is that there were concerns about the Gen 2 cars and how well they would race compared to Gen 1. Uh, concerns addressed. Uh, still race good. Yeah, still race still real race good. good. They race just as well, but even faster. Yay! Yeah, definitely, definitely. So he has some great overtakes there. Didn't Vern go around the outside of Bremi into, into, into the pseudo yeah, turn set it up well. around the outside we could, so we could get the inside line. Um, Sebastian, Jerome D'Ambrosio uh, picked off Sebastian Bremi as Bremi was trying to hold him off and Pachito Lopez as well. There was there was some there was some cracking overtakes there, absolutely. Oh, goodness, yes. yes. So, yeah, if anyone has concerns about these cars and their raceability, nope absolutely fine on that front thank god um and they still look like wipeout cars which is great <laughs> even more so definitely <laughs> yeah. so so at about a third of the way of the race in it looked like the chichitas were rolling in antonio felix sacas who got a good start but was starting to peg it back a little bit as the chichitas were starting to roll in and then with about 15 minutes to go uh hmm well, this requires a bit of an explanation. I think King's best suited for this. Okay, so uh, both the Chichitas, uh, officially, as it says in the release, uh, violated Article t- uh, 27.9 of the Sporting Regulations in terms of the regen software that they were using. Uh, Felipe Masadis also received the same penalty, but... Uh, how do I explain this correctly? They regulate how much you could uh, regenerate, uh, but essentially it was something that they could have fixed, but didn't. How did they end up not fixing it then? <laughs> I don't know. They were warned during qualifying and the shakedown that uh, that they should fix this. <laughs> And they didn't. <laughs> and they didn't. Ah, uh, like, like the old deal. T- I love that Cavanaugh just goes, ah, the Red Bull race in 2014 strat. It's like, don't worry, they won't actually punish us during the race for this, right? Right? King? <laughs> Drive through penalty, Jean Eric Verne and Andre Lauderer. Vern goes yeah, back who to were fourth. running one two at the time. Yeah, by this point they had passed Antonio Felix Sacasa. It was a Tachito one two, a DS Tachito one two. When we had concerns about their powertrain, they were one two in this race, and that put them back. Mm-hmm. It, it was 
And then with uh, and then just a few minutes later, um, did we cover Jose Maria and the uh, and the comedies of missing the attacks? <laughs> I briefly uh, mentioned we, this. We briefly we we briefly mentioned it. Uh, I think we're gonna get to it shortly uh, because it really came into play when a full course caution turned into a safety car. <laughs> Yeah, and what and to be clear, with these new graphics, you'll know when it's a full course yellow because it'll show in big bold letters all the way across the screen. Full screen yellow <laughs> chevrons, full course yellow. <laughs> like something out of a Michael Bay movie. Cause I I think the uh the double drive through penalty and then the full course yellow, to me that that really kind of let the air out of the race where it was really it was a really fantastic race up until that point it was yeah it, it, i'm not gonna lie king it turned into a bit of a farce once the full course yellow came out it was just like oof it's you got a bit messy teams were burning their attack modes during the safety car and no no they mm, here's the thing TV graphics messed up. They messed up on a lot of other things. They didn't. They didn't also. They missed a lot of people who went into the attack zone, and they also didn't realize how the attacks uh, attack mode worked. Where you just activate it, you get the right to use it by driving through. You don't automatically use it right away. That is ah. See, I did not know that, and that was impossible to tell watching it on TV. Uh, yeah, that ooh, that is a mess. Was it was it better explained on Formula E Voltage? I did I did not get that far on Formula <laughs> yeah. E Voltage. I'm gonna go out on the limb here I, and I suggest no. <laughs> Say no. So pretty much the way that attack mode's supposed to work is when you drive through the zone, you get the right to use that boost. This race it was a four minute boost uh, with two uh, for each activation, with a maximum of two. You had to go through the zone mm -hmm. twice. So once you go through the zone you get four minutes of boost to use whenever you feel like. But once you hit the button, that's when the timer goes down. So, you go through the zone, and you feel like it's ready for attack mode, you hit the button, and you got four so minutes of boost. So, is it a continuous four minutes, or is it like IndyCast push to pass where you can pick and choose when to use it? It is... It is... It's a mix of both. It's a continuous four minutes. You can turn it off if you want to, but it's a continuous four minutes. All right, minutes. so like it's a four-minute window of when you can use it, but obviously you're probably, bet you're probably best off not using it like on the apex of a corner or something. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. Like, if you know you're going through, like, uh, a tight, low-speed section and you know that having that much torque might be might cause an accident you could turn it off but the timer still goes down yeah that that makes sense okay that's, that's again you you would never be able to tell that watching it on tv which is a shame but you know yeah only reason i know that because i read the rule book nerd <laughs> <laughs> This nerd reading. Yeah. Well, in fairness, it, it will it will make sure that King is most uh most most confident in being able to break the rules because he knows all the loopholes. It's yeah. just genius. We knew. So uh, I don't know if the teams did it because I think I said it on Twitter where when the yellow came out, first person through the zone was Sebastian yeah, Buemi. <laughs> and it seemed on. Like, it seemed like, yeah, smart move. Go through the zone now, because a lot of people, uh, number one, if you drive through the attack, if you drive through the activation zone under yellow, uh, people could pass you, and you don't have the right to get your spot back. Uh, 
So people either go before or go after. But the way the graphics made it seem like you were stupid for going before because it, it looked like you were wasting That's your time. That's exactly when I was watching it. It's why I said the race was a clusterfuck. It all makes so much sense now. <laughs> like... So there was there was confusion. There was so much confusion confusion that the people who missed out, uh, everyone just just pretty much dive bombed the activation zone the minute the green came back out. <laughs> Even though what they were probably really doing was just like arming their, or like basically just arming their attack mode for when the green flag came out so they can try and pass people. Yeah, yeah. now a that lot makes more sense. sense. Holy shit! Yes. Like, like King has opened my eyes. I am now woke when it comes to Formula E. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what? But yeah, so that's why when we went before, uh, before the safety car came out and collected the field. Uh, but no one went during the safety car because, again, you could lose your position. Uh, right. Bwemi is woke. <laughs> that is a thing now. Though, because everyone went at, when the, went after the safety car came in, we ended up with this massive train of cars all taking attack mode at once. Yeah, which is basically like the same as no one using attack mode. It was just a mess. Um, yeah, it was a complete mess. Though... Despite, despite the double drive-through, that safety car might have been the saving grace for maybe not both the cheetahs, but at least John Eric Verne, because he was easily able to fight his way back up through the field. Yeah, yeah. three minutes left. Verne just drops the hammer. He get he gets past uh, he gets past Ambrosio. He gets past uh, Mitch Brown. Mitch Brown. No, was it? It was. Uh, no, it was up when he got past. He gets past Jerome. He gets past Sebastian, and he is hauling ass and catching up to Antonio to feel it's Costa. On the final lap, it looks like he might have a decent lunge at him. Yep, he does. But uh, Costa actually was able to hold Vern off. I mean, it looks like the way that the track was set up, there was really maybe only one place you could pass somebody if you didn't have an attack mode advantage, and that was basically down the back straight so towards the uh, right left hander complex you, yeah it, Vern, Vern even fancy to move on the final lap of that same spot where he made the move past Wemmy earlier it almost looked like he would lock up and slam it in the back of DaCosta's car but he got it stopped in time just couldn't get past yeah yeah and it and uh, the new race format, now that we're at time race instead of lap races, uh, creates a situation where you want to save your move to the last lap because you don't know how much power you'll need until they announce that this lap will be the last lap. It is 45 minutes plus one, plus one lap. Yep. So until you hit 45 and you see the white flag, uh, you're not going to want to, you're not going to want to, spend that extra energy to make the move because yeah. you don't know how much longer you, how exactly how much longer you'll have to run exactly that and that does make it very interesting because then you get you get different teams who are in different power situations and yeah it's 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 kind of fun as well because i don't think they have to run to absolute zero anymore do they king i think no, it's it's the same rules as last time. You need to have more than zero percent. I swear to God, that happened so many more times. Like again, the TV graphics are so annoying. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Costa was able to hold off John Eric Verne in the end, and uh, yeah, as a result, the Costa winner wins by just four tenths of a second from Jev. Like 
that tea cheetah is a goddamn rocket ship. Oh, like, like it hauled serious ass. It was ridiculous. They were like, and by the time we got to the end of the race, like we're those good. two were three and a half seconds clear of everybody else. Like it was Jerome D'Ambrosio rounding off the podium um, in third for a Mahindra racing in the end. And nobody got disqualified to make this happen. Yay! Yeah, no one got disqualified to make this happen. It actually uh, upended a lot of people's beliefs about how the season would go down. But again, this is like the most random of random races. Because uh, if you if you go back to the season preview episode, uh, we're all let's in just on say, Audi. yeah, everyone was all in on Audi, and that the now that Tachita was partnered with DS, that maybe the DS equipment wasn't that good. Um, we were proven wrong, <laughs> real quick. wrong, King, wrong. See, see, I, I take a week off from the show, and look what these startling hot takes everybody else comes out with. People should listen to me more often. <laughs> First of all, what a win for Antonio Felix Sacrasta, oh, yeah. who has been, uh, who let's just say he has been a uh, he's been on struggle street in Formula E because we know he's a top caliber sort of driver. In the eyes of Manny, he maybe should have gotten a Formula One drive. He's won in pretty much everything else that isn't Formula One in the time since then, and he's been he's even won in Formula E before. But in between that win in Buenos Aires in the inaugural season and that weekend, which seemed so long ago, um, in Saudi Arabia, there hadn't been much going good for him. No, and this and this is also a big win for BMW. Their first race as a factory as a factory outfit in Formula E, and this is also their first major single seater victory since the 2008 Canadian Grand Prix. The Kubica victory. Yeah. On debut, like this, on debut after finishing last in the team's championship the year prior. Yeah, like that's impressive. Um, the Costa basically, as Katie Fairman would say, smashed it. Um, as she said on her Instagram page, shout out to Katie, she's great. Um, check her shit out. She's got a new podcast coming out as well, Small Talk with friends of Katie. So, so best of luck to Katie on that one as well, the Small Talk show. Katie, I'm available for signings. Just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, what, what? Oh, you're jumping ship now? No, I'm just, I'm just, look, I'm, I'm exploring other avenues, okay? We're, we're spreading the good word of Motorsport 101 on other platforms. Come, come on, King, admit it. You, you, you like, it, it's, it's good marketing. You know it. Nah, nah, it's not good marketing. It's, you, you don't promote the competition, Dre. Do you know I never do things by convention? Do you, you, King, you've known me for you've known me for seven years now. Like, like seriously, like when will you learn? <laughs> it works, doesn't it? <laughs> that wasn't a denial. See, <laughs> see, he knows I'm right, really. <laughs> but but uh, that was kind of funny as well, especially when when he when he ended up seeing Audi like in eighth and ninth in the end as well. So, uh, King, what's up with your man's? <laughs> Uh, whose mans are you talking about? I, I don't got no mans in the game. Your your bold prediction of Audi. Oh, oh, the favorites. I, I don't know. They, man, Audi, what happened? They were like right, I think they were starting like well down, they were like in the teens. They, they, they clawed their way both into the points to finish 8th and ninth. But um, for the reigning champs, that's I not a good result was... at all. Well, I think it's mainly they just got caught out they it, it felt like it was either you were locked in or you weren't when qualifying happened 
I'll say they've had worse starts. Yeah. Last <laughs> yeah, last year was far worse. They'll be fine. Like, Lord McNish knows what he's doing. I'm sure they'll find a way to win the last six races and take both championships again. Sorted. Um, quick run in order of the rest of the field real quick. Uh, Antonio Felix da Costa wins the opening race of Gen 2 Formula E. Jev in second place, just a few temps behind him. Jerome D'Ambrosio in third, and he didn't even need the disqualification to get up there this time. Um, for Mahindra, Mitch Bra in fourth for Jaguar Racing. Not even, not even the winner and his own family, because his brother Simon won the inaugural Jaguar um, F pace. I pace. Yes, he won that race uh, just before the start of the Epre. Mitch now probably yeah, hates him. Many other. <laughs> It's like, yeah. how much money did you get for that seat? Uh, <laughs> how much are you putting in? No one's ever mentioned that I don't put money into my racing seats, ever. <laughs> Mitch Brah in fourth. Andre Lotter and the other T-Cheater affected by that drive-through penalty in fifth. Uh, followed by the two dams of Buemi and Roland in sixth and seventh. That's a solid result for Roland on debut um, in seventh place there. Um, Daniel Apt and Lucas Degrassi, the two Apt cars in 8th and ninth. Nelson Piquet Jr. rounding off the points um, for the Jaguar Racing Team in 10th, ahead of Sam Bird. Robin Friends! Robin Friends is back! Yay, we love Robin Friends. Shame was only in 12th. Oliver Turvey in 13th, ahead of Massa. Dillman, Gunther, someone saved King's Mans already. He's in six, he was in 16th. Uh, can we pour one out for Stoffel as well? Because he started so well. Ooh, it was hard. <laughs> He started fifth, got an overwhelming share of the fan boost, and then just fell down the order. Apparently, HWA got caught up by the format quite badly. Like, and uh, yeah, seventeenth in the end for poor Stoffel. Could somebody give Stoffel a break, please? He left Formula One to avoid finishing in seventeenth place for crying out loud! Oh dear. Uh, the, the other BMW of Alex Sims in 18th. Um, Adora Morata, as mentioned. Uh, car meet wall in uh, 19th. Um, in the early, but he finished a lap down in the end. And three DNFs. Jose Maria Lopez. Um, Gary Paffett for the the other HWA. And Felix Rosenquest, whose brief return to Formula E um, involved a dead battery. Sigh. He did the Homer Simpson slinking back into the bushes. Yeah. That's what his car did. But all of a sudden, some like really bright town the German kid's gonna pop out by the next week, not the next weekend. Great stuff. So, King, I know you alluded to this as well before we move on. So, what do the drivers have issues with when it comes to Gen Two Formula E so far? Attack mode. They don't feel like it's powerful. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> they they want more power. <laughs> yeah. So essentially. Uh, especially at this race, and I feel like it's probably going to be continuing theme, that you actually lose more time by activating attack mode than you get back for, <laughs> from using it. Just imagine what happens if you fail to activate it multiple times by missing the <laughs> activation point. And also, uh, you're penalized for not using it. So... So you have to use... So this race, you had to activate mm -hmm. it twice. Uh, if you don't activate it both times, you will be penalized after the race. That doesn't make any sense! <laughs> well, it was to cover up the loophole that it might be faster not to use attack oh, mode. God. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. That, that's not a good look. It's like... It's like 
Oh, that's... Like, it, I, 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 it annoys me that we're in season five of Formula E and there's still like a grand overall sense of this series is still kind of making this up as they go along. And well, it's it's yeah, it's always going to be like but... that. Uh, so yeah, again to reiterate things, standard race power is mm-hmm. two hundred kilowatts. If you use either fan boost or attack mode, you get an extra twenty five yeah. kilowatts. Though, uh, a lot of the drivers are advocating what, what, maybe maybe attack mode should be full qualifying power, which is yeah. 250 kilowatts. More power. Yeah, I love power. The, the early days of Formula E was defending how little power the cars had, and now the drivers are demanding more. More, I say. <laughs> I mean, that's quite, I think that's quite ironic, you know, given, how, given the history of the series in general, bless them. But... Uh, Yep, and Armchair FIA President Lucas Grassi is also <laughs> maybe indicated maybe the activation zone shouldn't be offline on track. It should be the pit lane. <sighs> really? How is that an improvement? you got to run through the pits to activate attack mode. Yeah, uh, that's also something that was kind of iterated with Sam like reiterated with Sam Bird, Bird kind of said that uh, while they should offer more power, it should also offer a greater time loss. So kind of, I wouldn't say artificially create more overtakes, but to reward drivers who are good at overtaking. Okay, I get that, but that is basically saying you need a drive-through penalty to activate attack mode. And there's... And this, yeah, and they want attack mode to basically be twice as powerful as it is now. That is going to cause serious wrecks in Formula E. Like having cars that could be fifty kilowatts more powerful than cars they're trying to overtake. That is going to end in disaster somewhere. Like I'm not exaggerating this. Like that does not seem like a good idea. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's too ridiculous. <sighs> I don't think it's the most ridiculous thing that came out of Formula E that weekend. Um, we apparently learned that in addition to being a boxing legend, KSI is actually good at driving simulators. Uh, we learned that. Um, we also learned that whoever was uh, asleep on the button at the uh, at the Formula E YouTube region locking center, uh, please stay asleep. We, we really much enjoyed <laughs> yes, in the United States uh, ha- being able to watch the race live and not have to wait 30 minutes to come up on FS1 because you won't even put the race on your goddamn app for us to watch live. Also, other news, uh, Formula E CEO Alejandro Igog will no longer be Formula E CEO. Oh, no. <laughs> what happened, King? <sighs> yep. Uh, he will now be, he'll now be the chairman of the championship. And he'll be acting CEO up until they can find Does a new CEO. Does that mean he's still going to be hanging out at races of all the girls saying, hey, baby? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he will. He does that yes, every he race. He's like, who's the prettiest model we've got at the race this weekend? I'm going to hang out with them. <laughs> he is every stereotype about a racing president you have ever seen. God bless him. <laughs> so he's going to be chairman of the board now, basically. And they're going to have a, a new guy replace him. Oh, dear. Okay, lovely. Did we have any testimonies of, like, that ghost race thing? Like, that thing where you could actually, like, race against the drivers and some sim? Because that sounds awesome. awesome. No, I believe it's still technically mm-hmm. in the beta phase. Okay. <laughs> so, essentially, I think uh, 
it's it'll be only live. Though I'd really like them to. I forgot uh, some of the later NASCAR games, like the more recent NASCAR games, have done it where they take the the telemetry from the cars and pretty much insert yourself in the race afterwards. So they use this to do, like, scenario modes, like, oh, if you were said driver in said scenario from last weekend's race, could you perform better than he did? That sounds pretty cool. That does sound very cool. Oh, like, what, what, like, I don't think they're going to put that out live straight away, because I don't think they want Bono Weiss to beat half the field. I'm just... I'm just saying, like, <laughs> that wouldn't be a good look. <laughs> but uh, that does sound very cool. But, uh, King, how far how far through Voltage did you get through then, for the culture? Uh, I, for the culture, I, like, actually, live, I didn't watch it live. I went back and watched it just to see how it was, like, pretty much only watched up until, uh, I think, the lap after Martero. Uh, after Martero went into the wall. So they did a 30-minute pre-race, plus live commentary of the race, then post-race. <laughs> so it was basically an alternative broadcast. You didn't have to watch it if you didn't want to watch it. But uh, I would say it catered to... Children? It catered to non-motorsports fans, where it's... Though it, it wasn't educational any sort of way, where... Yeah. Only one of the hosts had any actual knowledge about Formula E, while all the while the three other hosts pretty much played off like it was cool not to know anything. Yeah, like for those guys that have not seen this, like two of the hosts are the much publicized KSI, who is now more known for beefing with his brother and trying to fight a portable twin, um, and Zerka, who is a member of the YouTube group The Side Men, who basically just live in a giant house and do rich people things. For- and they make money off it. It's amazing how YouTube works these days. I'm not bitter about it at all. Um, but uh, yeah, they they they're two of the, probably the most the two most famous hosts of this Formula E uh, coverage, alternative coverage, and uh, it was terrible. Um, I did actually. I would say, mm, yeah. If if you're a motorsports fan, it is not for yeah, you. Yeah, it is for the it is for the guys who aren't into motorsport who just want to see KSI and Zerka talk about some sports with some sports in the background. If you're there for them, you're there for them. You're not there for the race itself. Yeah, and they also had, like, giveaways and stuff like that. But, like, the way, like, if you, like, the way the thumbnail is formatted and the way that the stream was titled, it seemed like they weren't going to be there every race. Like, uh, KSI and Zerka weren't going to be there every race. Really? You mean they're not flying out to Saudi Arabia? I'm shocked, <laughs> really. <laughs> well, they weren't in Saudi Arabia. They were in a cozy studio in of course. London. <laughs> you, you expected something else. <laughs> I mean, I watched it. Um, I watched a good hour of it, and all, all I say was... Um, it was exactly what you probably thought it was going to be. Like, those out here expecting, like, brisk, you know, hard-hitting motorsport, you know, journalism here were sadly deluding themselves. It's like, what the hell were you expecting it to be? It was for the filthiest of filthy, uneducated viewers. And it's, it's, it's again, I've said that before, it's great if you're there for the personalities, it's terrible if you're there for the race. Judge that however you want yes. to judge it. It is a... And, like, they were clearly, like, they were doing giveaways and stuff like that. It's like, nice. It was awesome. lowest common denominator to... Yeah. Tune in, you can get a signed cap. Or 
a discount code for Sidemen and Mirage. I, I already have a signed cap. And wait a minute. I think it's signed by Antonio Felix da Costa from the last Putra Dry Prix. Oh my gosh. Nice. Why wasn't I wearing this story? But to be before? fair, like, who hasn't got, like, a signed Amnon Aguri cap at this point? They were giving them away like M&Ms back then. <laughs> I had one of those, and I, I, I never win competitions. <laughs> Ever. Oh, well, apart from that one time I got to go to Bruno. That was quite a big one. Um, <clears throat> anyway. Um, so, King, what did you make overall the Formula E uh, season opener then? Ooh, kind of happy this was the season opener it it really felt like there were a lot of kinks for everyone involved from the teams drivers broadcasters organized everyone that it was pretty much like we're still learning this this might as well be a test race just throw this one away kinks for everyone you say <laughs> kinks are something you're not telling us <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking mm. about. The Nat C Pre will be in Marrakesh in Morocco on January 12th. Yes, which will most likely be a far, far more better, well-polished so. product. Now we actually get how this whole thing works. Thanks to you, King. Well done, King. Educating us all for the nation. <laughs> Please don't, please don't nominate me to host Voltage. <laughs> like, like, RJ, how out of place would King look with everybody else on that show? Like, who'd you be doing? Hi. <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, God bless you. Like, King, that would, that, that would be great. Like, you just, you just, you just have like, you'd be the motorsport historian on there. And, like, people would, like... No, I'd literally just spend, like, the whole hour just not saying anything. <laughs> just, just, like, it's like, I'm not even going to correct anyone at this point. I'm just going to sit here. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, she's just going to sit and like, yep, hi. It's going to be about as awkward as any time Vic is in a Sideman video. More or less. Basically. Uh, but, but also, I now actually now really want to see that happen. Just out of curiosity. Can we start a Patreon for that? Like, can we, can we get a petition going? Like at the twenty dollar level, you can get Ryan Eric King and a voltage. It's <laughs> honestly, I feel like this is like two thousand and eleven YouTube where we're complaining about how oh look at all these F one guys who get to you get to look at all these FIFA guys who get to test in a play seat. They should get some Formula One YouTubers to do it instead. Hi, Mickey Motions. No. <laughs> we're Formula no, One, one YouTubers. Thing... We are the number one source on the history of Ontario Motor Speedway. Yeah, according of to course. YouTube. Though, like, uncomfortably, a lot of people in, like, Voltage Chat or anywhere else is like, oh, they should get F1 YouTubers to host this. And, like, it'd be just as bad. One of us, like, that's the thing, right? First of all, half of us still can't present for shit. Like, like trust me, I've seen your videos. Um, <laughs> and trust me. Uh, and, like, most of the YouTubers that they suggest don't care about Formula E. It's like, that would not make it any better than people that are just doing it for the check like these dudes are. Like, it, it would basically be the same thing. Um, although, as Toki points out, Jimmer would be one of the few guys that could probably make that work. Because he genuinely is good at this sort of commentary thing. Um, and, yeah, you know. Slightly drunk Jimmer here. <laughs> checking on the Formula E website, yes, uh, the... Well, besides the two main presenters, uh, say the the third and the fourth will be from a rotating pool of 
alternate uh, of of content creators. A pool of of it'll alternate through a pool of content. It's the side men. It's gonna be the side men. We're gonna get Minter on the next round. It's gonna be obvious. <laughs> like. I swear the only Felix from Sweden they better bring into this goddamn <laughs> show better be named Rosenquist. <laughs> oh, dear God. Though, so, oh, God, I forget where her name is, but, like, they pretty, they're angling towards her effectively just being the main host of Voltage because she is, she is the only good host. Well, you know, you know what you got, right? <laughs> let's milk it for all it's worth yeah voltage is terrible don't watch it <laughs> it's like you're the knowledgeable one and so people are gonna naturally not hate well, you well that helps <laughs> you know it's a it's a start <laughs> but uh yeah I, I, I thought that was still a bit of a mess on tv but as you as king alluded to it was a good mess and it was entertaining they still need to iron out some kinks on the tv graphics and whatnot and and you can drive to the podium. Oh god, that yeah, that podium. That was awesome. Like, like the, I know for size reasons it probably won't be at most race weekends, but yeah, if they could get in every race weekend, it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that would be awesome. That would be an awesome thing. But like I said, if they can get the kinks out of the way, there's a lot to still like about this series. I like the cars. I like the action. I think attack mode is still a work in progress, but. I think they're over-egging the pudding a little bit on that, but if I think, thinking about it, having a more distinctive advantage, like having 250 kilowatts might make it a bit better. And I, I, although I've, I'm not sure the advantage, I'm not sure they want to make it too big of an advantage. That's, that's going to take some tweaking. Like, that's like that's going to be a hard thing to, to get right, but hey, you know, the only way you're going to get it right is by running more races. And then, like it's it's hard to do that via pure numbers. You need context, and yeah, this it's probably going to be that. But I thought that was a solid race. I, th- I thought it was enjoyable for sure, and I look forward to seeing what happens next week when we're in Marrakesh. Hooray, King! It's time. No, no, I think I think we should just go through some some pieces of you, news are, we are, have. Are, are, are you delaying my seizure? <laughs> Oh, yes, we are. Fair yes, enough. Are. Go on. No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let me first get the pretty. It's all Formula One news left. Just three pieces of Formula One news. <laughs> so, uh, this is Formula E tangential, but uh, Pascal Verline, uh, it more information has come out why he couldn't race in uh, Saudi Arabia, and um. You gotta remember who operates Mercedes DTM cars. Uh, HWA. Yes, his contract uh, this year was with HWA. <laughs> hmm. Now HWA, um, that that initials sound familiar in this Formula E grid. Yes, because they are a rookie team in the series. Yeah, doesn't doesn't Pascal have a contract? So Pascal's racing for them, right? In, no. No. No, it's with Mahindra. Oh, I see. Can you say conflicts of interest? <laughs> so, uh, effectively, uh, Mahindra pretty much no commented any uh, questions from Autosport, but HWA have kind of leaned into why they didn't allow Pascal to Pascal not to run. Uh, they've they've bluntly stated that it was quote not for developmental oh, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Glad we got that cleared up. <laughs> but 
but they hinted at that that there were certain prerequisites that Pascal had to fit fulfill to be released from his contract. But they said there were negotiations. Uh, there were negotiations because we allowed Pascal to drive in Valencia. Like they gave themselves an out by letting him test the car, but not actually race it. I see. But uh, effectively, the only DTM, uh, like the only DTM obligation he had left was to participate in a tire test. Mm. By the way, shout outs to Audi for like testing an entirely brand new driver lineup of uh, people and then picking none of them and just keeping the same. <laughs> <they had from laughs> yeah. Last year. Literally getting everyone's hopes up. Like, oh, it seemed like Sergey Sorokin could be in DTM nope. next year. No. <laughs> We're just going to run these dudes because we can. Because we can. Though Audi has hinted at uh, there might be a new private team that will sign one, maybe two of those drivers. Uh-huh. Spicy. Mm-hmm. Who could that be? But, yep. Onward further into the F1 rabbit hole, uh, the official attendance figures have been revealed from the previous season, and surprise, surprise, it is the race that might not exist in 2020. The British Uh-oh. Grand Prix is the highest attended race of the year. We're all shocked. I mean, I mean, like this is, this is earth-shattering news, King. They always brag about getting 140,000 at race day every weekend. We never hear about this, King, ever. Yep, race day was 140,000. Yeah, yeah, 140,000 people on race day. Uh, 340 over the entire weekend. Second place was Mexico with 135 over the uh, on yeah 135,000 on race day. Uh, 334 over the weekend, and. It was one of seven events to have a weekend crowd of more than 200,000 people, and they averaged the entire year at 194,000 people. That's good. Yeah, real good. So, Britain, Mexico, Australia, the United States, Singapore, Belgium, and Hungary were the seven race weekends that had more than 200,000 over the course of the weekend. Uh, Who drew the least? Ooh, FOM, don't mention that. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, because like, when Dorna does this for MotoGP, they release the full numbers of the entire calendar every year. And to be fair, it's always Qatar at the bottom for obvious reasons. But <laughs> that is kind of funny, actually. So, um, uh, FOM report that it is a 7.8% increase on last year. Uh, despite losing Malaysia. Uh, but the two new races, France and Germany, both outperformed the Malaysian Grand Prix. So that's good. Uh, if I had to just like r- speculate on which race had the lowest attendance, it's Baku. <laughs> it's Baku. It's Probably Baku yeah. or it's Yas Marina where the tickets are like ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yep, and one last F one story. Um, a, a historic circuit on the F one calendars is lighting itself up for a major facelift. Circuit of the Americas is getting renovated already? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. We're coming back to the parking lot at Caesar's Palace? (laughs) Oh, no. No, we are talking about Italy, and, of course, we are talking about the Autodromo Nacional de Monza. And a Pergusa. Wait, no, that's not it. (laughs) 
So, uh, Mons is heading, is getting close to its centenary uh, in 2022, and they are looking for, uh, they're planning on having an 100 million euro revamp. And this also, this also, this also includes a new circuit configuration to re, to, to seal its position as, quote, the temple of speed. Uh, that is quoted from the president of the of the Automobile Club Italia. <laughs> okay. Wait, um, wait, wait. The round that has struggled to keep itself on the calendar in F1 for the last decade has all of a sudden found 100 million euros to, re- to revamp the place, right? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> this totally makes sense. So, um, so it's not the same layout that was proposed a couple years back where Curva Grande was just going to become a chicane. Going up and nope. down the hill. Okay, nope. so I'm intrigued now. I haven't seen this. So uh, they don't have a final plan on what they're going to exactly do, but it will involve removing one of the three chicanes on the circuit. Most Uh-oh. likely, most likely the second chicane after Curva Grande. Crikey! They're also. Uh, also, a part of the revamp is to just widen Monza in general. Because, again, you can't remove the chicane after Curva Grande and expect everything to turn up fine when you head into the Lesmos, which are narrow as hell. Yeah, narrower after the revamp in 1994-95, by the way. Those used to be flat-out corners. Yeah, there used to be flat-out cor- corners. Uh, the most notable change from 94-95 is the reprofiling of Curva Grande to add runoff area outside of Curva Grande. And that also reprofiling that first chicane so that it's even clumsier. Yes. And most, I would say, controversial, the most controversial part of this revamp is uh, a renovation of the old banking and a revival of the 10-kilometer circuit. Oh, oh, wow. So, oh, so that means we're actually going to have the Monza Roval race. <laughs> Thick. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, most likely the 10-kilometer circuit won't be used for Formula 1. Uh, it's been hinted at that it would probably be used for a GT3 race. Oh, buddy. Oh, wow. NASCAR, so- get on it. <laughs> Call forth and- the Roval. Yeah, besides the widening of the circuit, there'll also be new access roads, uh, new main grandstand, uh, but essentially the Automobile Club of Italy want to make Monza truly the centerpiece of their organization again. Uh, And they, yeah, the cost of project is 100 million euros. Uh, The ACI isn't, isn't put off by the total. They think it can be raised through government funding pretty much they don't think it's if they can find the money they think it's when they can find the money yikes seriously a hundred million euros like that out of nowhere uh i mean this (laughs) also they it should also be mentioned that their current the current italian grand prix contract expects Buyers at the end of 2019, so just ah. like the British Grand Prix, they don't have a contract for 2020 and beyond. That might be a problem. 
Hmm. So uh, I believe they're gonna try to negotiate for a lower price than they have now and hopefully the difference plus government funding to pay for the renovations that will hopefully be done for 2022 okay wow that's i know you guys wanted to get a live reaction from me out of this but i mostly like the ideas of what they're coming out with like (laughs) i'm actually quite annoyed i wanted to hate this i don't hate this like I want to see the finished product. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious to see what the see what the overall see like what a hard copy of the plans are. But from word of mouth, that's actually kind of promising because it would solve a lot of the problems that Monza has as a racetrack. Damn it, that's actually quite annoying. Um, I guess I'm the- sparing my hate for the post news segment. I guess. Damn. And then they could do like a throwback race. Sounds and, uh, so, RJ, don't we have some news from IMSA that came out today? Um, yeah, Mazda, Team Yost announced their driver lineup, um, and that's not all they announced. Um, Timo Bernhard of Porsche is joining them for the Rolex 24 and the Michelin Endurance Cup. Um, Oliver Pla is also joining them, and so too is Rene Rast. Now, with that news also comes the announcement that Spencer Pickett will not be back for them for the endurance races, which is sad. However... They also made an announcement of a new race engineer. If we're talking about race engineers on Motorsport 101, most likely it's going to be Lena Gade. She's back with Team Yoast. Yay! West London's finest. Yeah. (laughs) West London, stand up. Lena's back. Yes. Yes, I'm so happy. Now if they can just finish a roll at 24. That would be nice, and also, thank God, there's no evils involved. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, Daytona's kind of close enough. That'll do. We'll All right. will figure it out. All right. So, this next segment that we have in the can for a couple weeks is live reactions to the Autosport Top 50, because... Um, instead of giving uh, you our top 50 drivers of the year, we're going to just react to what other people, specifically the largest uh, motorsport media outlet, uh, says were their top 50 drivers. And again, this was a multi-person panel uh, that decided this, and they give you the first 10 for free. Um, so we'll lead off with those 10 freebies. 50 was Gabriele Tarquini, WTCR champion. 49 oh, was... Should, wait, no, it should be mentioned. Tarquini is the third person above the age of 50 to make the top 50 in oh, the features yes. history. Bearing the lead the first per- the last one since Mark Martin. Wow. Yes, Mark Martin and Nigel Mansour were the two other drivers over the age of 50 to make the top 50. I'm sorry, that's uh, that's rap aficionado Mark Martin. <laughs> rap aficionado. Well, didn't, didn't Tarquini win the, the WTCR? He did at the yes. age of like seventy four. Yeah, like, the man <laughs> Most people know him as just a meme in Jimmer streams. Yes. Oh look, it's Tarquini. Just uh, so you know, Tarquini is a uh, fifty six. Amazing. Yes. What a guy. <laughs> Ninety two year old Gabriele Tarquini. Um, the Haas drivers are forty nine and forty eighth. Grosjean forty ninth. Magnuson forty eighth. Wow. Um, came back that low. Yeah, he dropped eight spots. How, Super how, how? GT champion. <laughs> hang, hang, hang on a minute. Hang on. To be fair, one, I want King, I want King reading these out because King is very detailed when it comes to the reads out. No offense, RJ. And second of all, 
How does K-Mag have by a mile his best year in F1 today and drop eight spots? So, yeah, uh, Magnussen dropped eight spots. Grosjean wasn't even on the list last year. How did Grosjean go up? Like, <laughs> that was not a good season for Rogro at all. Like, oh. You know who it was a good season for? Motherfucking 47, Super GT, Super Rookie, and Sensation Jensen Button getting on the list as your defending co-champion. Blah, blah, blah. JB is blah. back. Yo. Benson Jutton made the top 50. Good and for also him. you get a full Prage spread of that Rayburg NSS. That looks so good. Delicious. You have a new entry. It's a Vanthor. It's not Lawrence. It's Drees who won the Bathurst 12 hour at 46. Nice. And then at 45. And the Nürburgring 24. Yes, he did win. That's it. That's two major wins in for the for the driver that uh, that Lawrence once described as his asshole brother for winning the Bathurst <laughs> 12 hour before him. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> Mick Schumacher made it on the list at 45. He's the European F3 mm, champion. Hang on. That's... Uh, so Mick Schumacher above K-Mac. And, and yes. I, I, uh, and uh, we'll get to it later in the list. Mick Schumacher will not be the last Formula 3 driver on this list. What? <laughs> oh, number on. 44 ashley sutton ash sutton oh. uh fourth in btcc where's johnson wins in <laughs> this is normally the, this is normally the part where johnson busts a nut and, and talks about his love for british touring cars again like somehow we, we didn't sneak him into the basement this week <laughs> uh 43rd was sergio sete camera sits then formula two and new mm. mclaren jr okay 42 was runner-up in Super Formula and runner-up in Super GT by a combined margin of, like, two seconds, Nick Cassidy, who we now know <laughs> will be at the Rolex 24 with Vassar Sullivan Racing and Alexis RCF GT3. He is the viciest of vice champions. Yes. Um, on his Super GT near Bliss, it's so annoying to lose by practically nothing by one second in the last race again. Mm. <laughs> He's making a sad habit and, of this, sadly. <laughs> Yeah, and number forty-one down thirty-three places. Martin Truex Jr. Wow, runner-up in the NASCAR Cup Series. Okay, I know yeah. Truex did not have a great year by his standards, and I have a feeling he was always going to drop a few spots here. But for, what? He could have st- he, he was he was a championship contender until the last race. That, he was one of the big three. That's, that's exactly the point I was about to make. Like Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> is still probably, like, the pound-for-pound pound best NASCAR driver on the planet. How is he down 33 spots? This doesn't make any yeah. sense. Because so, Autosport don't care about NASCAR. So, fuck it, just, yeah. just stick Truex here. It doesn't make any other sense. And in return, I do not care about having an Auto Plus Sport Plus sponsorship. So, uh, King, you're going to have to feed us in that sport. I'm sorry. Okay, it's cool. It's cool. Number 40, fourth in the European Formula 3 Championship, Yuri Vips. Fair enough. Seems about right. Yeah, uh, he had a fantastic rookie year. Uh, pretty much held his own against his teammate Dan Tictum. Yeah. He was arguably the driver of the year. Yeah, it was kind of like you know, kind of like an Alex Albon situation where he wasn't guaranteed at the full seat for the whole season, and then he just kind of played his own hand. Yep, and he is also a Red Bull Junior driver, so. Oh. And then Red Bull picked him up. Fair enough. Yep. 39, second in the Australian Supercars Championship. 
Shane Van Gisbergen. Where's Johnson? <laughs> where's Where's James? Apart from uh, from from putting up with that damn heat wave. Yeah, forty nine point <laughs> six degrees today apparently in in, in Western Australia, as you do. But yeah, I think I think Gisbergen's in a fair That's about spot. Right. 30, 39. Yeah, it feels a bit a low, but low, it's but fair. I'm okay with that. Because 38 is your supercar championship, Scott McLaughlin. He needs to be higher purely because he can eat nuggets <laughs> out of his trophy. He should be at least in the top eight for this. <laughs> James was also steamed to the fact that both the supercar drivers were just 39 and 38. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably put them either high 30s, low 20s. Well, that's the thing. Like how va- how, on, the, on the pound for pound list, how high do you value supercars? It is an intensely competitive series. <laughs> Oh no! Like I said, don't get me wrong. I completely agree with you. I, I absolutely think it should be higher than like if your series champion is barely in the top forty. I think it should be a bit higher than that, personally. Ooh, and number thirty-seven, new entry on the list, runner-up in the European Formula Three Championship, and your Macau Grand Prix winner, Dan Tictum. Dan Tictum was above Mick Schumacher. Yep, above Schumacher and Vips. Yeah, he. Basically, basically for winning at Macau. Yeah. Like, there's no other viable reason. That's the <laughs> only way. Otherwise, you would have docked in points for, you know, giving up a championship that you were odds-on favorite to win. So, yeah. pretty much, they have a little mini top five of his top five moments of the season. Number one, obviously, his domination at Macau. Number two, uh, his win at Silverstone, where he pretty much... Uh, set up Sasha Fenestras for a pretty neat overtake. Uh, three, tenth to win at Spa. Fourth, at the Norris Ring, he had a massive accident, had to be hospitalized, came back, came back, his team rebuilt his car, and he won, he won uh, the, I believe, the su- Sunday morning race. I know, the Sunday afternoon race. Because uh, during the Sunday morning race, there was his car stall on the grid, and he dramatically got rear-ended. There's a joke there somewhere. Um. And uh, five is his prize for wi- being uh, his prize for winning last year's 2017 uh, McLaren Autosport uh, BDR the BDRC award, where he got to test the McLaren. So they put that as a top five moment of the year. Say it with me, y'all. I may have had Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Onward to number 36. Fifth in the IndyCar series this year. Joseph Newgarden. Oh, wow. It's down oh, 30 spots. Oh, come on. It wasn't even like, that okay. bad this year in a close championship. It was a close championship. In IndyCar, you can win a championship by winning two rounds. Like, seriously, does this... <sighs> okay, I get it. They're, they're, like, this is very much like sort of like a power rankings list more than anything else, but New Garden is like pound for pound top two or three in IndyCar. He's one of the most complete all-round drivers in there, and he should never be lowered in the top 15. Like, I, I, I don't understand how you drop New Garden 30 spots. That's ridiculous. You're basically telling me Dan Dictum is in the same league as Joseph Newgarden, and that makes him want to punch somebody in the throat. Well, Helmut Marco would probably uh, would probably agree with that statement. Yep. <sighs> Up to number 35, 
fourth in the NASCAR Cup Series this year, down six spots on last year, Kyle Busch. Uh, I guess this is a little bit better because Bush is again another one of those perennial solid guys, but it makes even less sense when Truex was like 10 spaces below him. No. Like, uh, they also mention uh, they also mention the pre-chase points format where Kyle Busch would have been the series championship if they used the pre-chase point system. <laughs> Uh, but they don't use the pre-chase points. What's the point? Because it's NASCAR like, fans beg for it to come back and do this every year where they award the real championship. Yeah, but that's the that's that's just the problem. It's like you want to bring it back. That right? would be like but that would be time, like a group of college football fans just like disavowing the playoff and just giving <laughs> just declaring whoever won the coaches poll is your champion. Well that wouldn't change. Alabama. <laughs> yeah, that really wouldn't change much. No. Okay, so on to the next driver. Down 18 spots on last year. Eighth in the Formula One championship this year, Sergio Perez. Wow, they put Checo down that far? Yep. They put Checo ahead of Kevin Magnussen that, that far ahead. <laughs> and Checo was... By his standards, kind of mediocre in F1 this year and kind of dined on that podium um, in Baku, at least in my humble opinion. So, a little bit on the low side still because, I mean, let's be real here, it's an F1 list, but that seems a bit low for Checo. He's still a perennial midfield force and there's not very many consistently solid drivers in Formula 1 than Checo. He's been a top 10 guy his entire career. So, like, hmm. I, mm, I'm not, I don't like that one. I think that seems a bit low. Well, next on the list at 33, third in the DTM championship this year, Paul DeResta. That's Sky what? F1's analyst, Paul DeResta. <laughs> ha- hang on a minute. <laughs> so let me get this straight here. Your supercars champion is down like around the 40 spot, and the guy that was the bronze medalist in DTM is like half a dozen spots above him. Man, yeah, that's, that's where the big disconnect in the list is where it feels like series that are closer to Britain are ranked higher than others. Well, we just had a British touring car guy in the mid 40s. So yeah, clearly there's something going <laughs> yeah. on there. Yeah. But to be fair, these are, these are faster cars. I like, yeah, they're antiseptic GT 500s, but the rest of one, three races. Yeah. The rest <sighs> had a great year. He's going to have a great year, but I'm not sure you can put him above any, anyone in supercars. That's just like, I'd argue Supercars is every bit as competitive as DTM is, and the guy that's finishing third in that championship. And the racing is actually good. (laughs) No one's denying that here. Jeez. You know what I mean. Go on. So, yep, next on the list, second in the Formula 2 championship. Actually, down 10 spots on last year. 32, Mm. Lando Norris. How does he drop 10 here for having an excellent rookie season in Formula 2? When you're the European Formula 3 champion in your rookie year, only being second in your rookie year in Formula 2 kind of seems like a disappointment. It really shouldn't yeah, be. Yeah, especially considering that last year's <laughs> Formula 2 champion was also champion the year before that. Yeah, okay, I get it. Anything compared to that guy is, pre- is probably not as good a look, but mm, I'm... I don't, like, do we just expect people that win Formula 3 to immediately go in and win in Formula 2 straight away? Is, is, is that the standard we're, we're talking about here? Actually, actually, yes. Like it's, 
Yeah, that is the expectation. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> pair of yous. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> I love you too, <laughs> Next driver, number 31. Also down on last year. Down 17 spots. 10th in the Formula 1 championship. Carlos Sainz Jr. Yeah, to be fair, that's about right. The hype train got completely derailed for Carlos Sainz this year. That's the yep. problem. Rip hype chicks. Sorry, Carlos. Hulkenberg's right. Hulkenberg laid the hammer. Go on. We made it to the next batch of 10. Oh, the next batch of 10. We start with the third place driver in the Formula 2 championship. No. New entry on the list. Number 30, Alexander Alba. Albon of 30. Yikes. Honestly, to me, this is the biggest surprise. They ranked Albon ahead of Norris. Wow. I'm not that surprised. Hmm. Um, Al- I'm not that surprised. I think, I think it's largely wins. due to the expectations were way higher for Norris. Yeah, like yeah. Albon was more of a surprise and to be that high up. Not a massive surprise, because Albon's always been good, but yeah, I, I think the surprise factor of it's probably what's tipped Albon over the top here, because Nando had a lot of hype rolling in even past Bahrain when he won the feature race there and dominated it so I get the logic behind that yeah they they included a, a nice quote from uh, your champion and PowerPoint enthusiast uh, George Russell <laughs> Alex is a great driver apart from his ca- campaign in GP3 he's had a very rough junior career to be honest I think he's one of if not the most underrated driver in the junior formulas he deserves that Toro Rosso opportunity damn right, right. Can't argue with that. Yeah, and I'm pretty much that pretty much says it all about Albon, to be honest. Where, kind of, a lot of things aligned, and I think uh, one of the news pieces I forgot to miss, I, I forgot to, to mention, uh, Dams paid out of pocket to run Albon for the full season, all two million, I believe, two million euro to run him the full year. That's a lot of yeah. change. How big is his back sofas? Yeah. <laughs> like seriously. Which is one of the reasons why Jean-Paul Gio was so upset when Albon decided to just skip out on joining the team in Formula E. Ah, that would explain it. (sighs) But, yep, onward and upward, number 29, wasn't on the list last year, on the list this year, third in the NASCAR Cup Series, Kevin Harvick. That feels a bit weird that Harvick has, has like, not been on this list for... Because I remember, you've done this, King, for two or three years now, and I can't ever remember Kevin Harvick's name being there, even though he's a perennial top-tier NASCAR dude. Yeah, he's (laughs) approaching his mid-40s, and he probably had one of the best seasons in his career, and he didn't come away with the title. Yeah. Although, for Harvick, that seems like about the place he should be, given his prestige and um, extended ability in NASCAR. That actually seems about right for Harvick. It just makes the other NASCAR picks on this list really annoying. Um, Personally, I think they just wanted to put uh, Kevin Harvick back at number 29, because it just seems right. Yeah, it (laughs) seems about right. right. (laughs) We'll we'll look out for context later. We just we just see him as that young kid replacing Dale Senior sure. all the time. Yeah, because he there's like it didn't feel right that he was in the three. It was good that they gave him the twenty nine. Seems about right, doesn't it? Oh. So yep, onward and upward, down seven spots on last year, fifth in the Formula One World Drivers Championship, number twenty eight, Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> Shouldn't he be at number ten, King? <laughs> no, no. 
28's good. 28's good. Number, I, I think you meant number one. Number 20 <laughs> oh in your list. God. Number one in your heart. Valtteri Bottas. Uh, and he, and he's, he's even growing a Christmas okay. beard. And, and King's in love. Um, we need to do more Hamilton puns uh, along the last segment. Why wasn't he at spot 43? Help, yeah, helping Hamilton to 44, you know? Mm. Breaking break, break, break news, Valtteri mo- Bottas has volunteered to lower himself 17 spots to number 45 to finish behind Lewis Hamilton. What a blessed guy he is. Uh, so, <laughs> not on the list last year, <laughs> not on the list last year, number 27, your NASCAR Cup Series champion, Joey Logano. And it also be mentioned, the first sentence of his section is, if we had been compiling this top 50 before the NASCAR playoffs, Logano would not have made the oh, list. Good. So then the, the, the NASCAR <laughs> title bumped him up yep. about 50 spots. Good to know. Um, like, wasn't Truex Jr. like 7th last year? Uh, and I, yeah, he was inside uh, the yeah. top ten. Now the NASCAR champion. So by that alone, how on earth is Logano NASCAR's champion in the mid twenties? There, there were right. NASCAR's in decline. Because Logano was such an outside shot for the championship that pretty much they're right. Over the course of the year, Logano was, was here fine. and there, but he, yeah, he was fine. He wasn't great. <sighs> Okay, I actually annoyingly kind of get that logic. Fine, that, that's 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 understandable. Next, ooh, number twenty-six, new entry on on the list. Your Super Formula and Super GT champion, Naoki Yamamoto. How is he not in the top fifteen? I don't. Uh, I don't care. I'm just glad that he's on the list. Anyway. Yeah, I'm just glad he's on the list. Oh my god. You know what? This is a very good point. We'll take it. <laughs> Next. It's like, yeah, 20, 26 is a bit low, but glad he's on the list. Glad he's on the list. Glad he's, like, 20-plus places higher than Jensen Button. That's that's what feels right to me. Yeah, that I'm actually surprisingly okay with that. Yeah. Again, they, okay. they even said in Button's piece that, like, he w- that Yamamoto was a much better driver, and Jensen himself will agree with that. Yeah, because they're actually in... His section, I'll probably copy-paste it later on after we're done recording for anyone on the Discord. They have a full interview uh, uh, with Jensen Button about Yamamoto. And they also have a couple of other just brief quotes from Dan Tictum and Nick Cassidy about about him. Hmm. Sounds but, interesting. This, uh, okay. This is what, so this next is, on... This, this is why you got to back us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> We're halfway through, Dre. How's your polls? Good-ish. <laughs> Good-ish. Like, there, there's not been anything that's been super egregious. Um, okay. Next on the list, up 21 spots on last year, third in the Formula One World Drivers Championship, Kimi Raikkonen. That's annoyingly about right. Like, like, yeah. I was like, yeah, Raikkonen was really good this year. Um mid 20 seems about right like it, it's, it's it's been his best year in f1 for about six years um, is it bad that i'm surprised they lowballed him that much is that really a low ball though for third in the formula one world championship yeah with a but list that is he's, weighted he's, towards f1 only because it's probably because his previous years in f1 really weren't great until maybe 2017 
Like, it's... it's Remember, I mean, this this is the same Kimi Raikkonen and we were all begging for it to be replaced by Nico Hulkenberg less than yeah, two years you're ago. Right. You're right. Like, you're right. That's... I'm only going by their own logic of previous history. It's clear they go by previous reputation. Otherwise, Truex Jr. wouldn't have dropped so many goddamn spots. So, by that logic, I think that's actually about right for Kimmy. Annoyingly. Again, I want to hate this, but so far I really can't. It's Again, it's very annoying. I'm sure we'll get to that later. Yeah. So, next on the list, number 24, down 21 spots on last Whoa. year. Keep that in mind. That becomes important later. Your 24 Hours of Le Mans winner, WEC LMP1 championship leader, and fourth in Formula E, Sebastian Buemi. Wow. Yikes. I forgot he was third last year. Um, wait, this is the series that fucking rates the shit out of Formula E. I bet John Eric Verne is really high up there, isn't he? Oh, <laughs> uh, you... Uh, I wouldn't hold out hope. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But the fact that your Lamar winner is... 20, well, one of your Lamar winners is 24th. It's... That seems a bit low. Like... Yeah. Like... It's yeah, not that Wemmy himself was bad in Formula E last year. It was that he was in a car that was literally incapable of winning. It seems a tad harsh on me for a for a for a Le Mans winner to be ranked that low. But hey, what do I know? I think I think top fifteen would have still been about right. But uh, as Cam has pointed out on Discord, it makes a valid point. It looks like the WEC has lost a level of prestige, possibly. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've not seen the again. I, people forget. I genuinely have not seen the full list. This is this is this is me completely spitballing this. So it looks like the WEC has lost the level of gloss, which is a shame. Not in, again. Not entirely their fault, but it is one of those things. Okay. Next on the list, number twenty-three, up eighteen spots on last year. He successfully defended his World Rallycross Championship by winning eleven out of twelve races. Johan Christofferson. What? And that's new touring car driver Johan Christofferson. <laughs> new because, world touring car. Because um, yeah, we've covered this on the show recently. <laughs> it's not looking good for uh, World Rallycross. And that's not Johan. And that's not the fault of Johan just being better than everybody else. <laughs> he should be in the top ten. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, he, I, I can't believe I'm saying this about a Radicos driver, but here we are, folks. Um, he should be in the top 10. Yeah, to win an FIA World Championship by winning 11 out of 12 <laughs> events. Arguably the most dominant man in all of the FIA accredited World Championships, and you barely cracked the top 25. That is a joke. Christofferson is the guy... Okay, look... I want to give a shout out to one of my friends on the show, Megan Cantle, who I know listens to us, and she's a huge Rallycross fan. She's probably screaming at this right now, going, yes, why isn't he in the top ten? And they're probably right, because she's buried me for, for not giving Christopherson enough credit on this show. So here you go, everybody. Um, yeah, that's a joke. Next. Next, we have number 22, up four spots on last year, 15th in the Formula One World Championship, Pierre Gasly. Hmm. That's it's 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 a strange pick, but I can go with it. It's not terrible. I mean, how much do you want to rate the fifteenth best guy in an F one title? He was already high ranked to begin with. Maybe a little bit too high last year. Um, yeah, I, I just feel uncomfortable that Gasly's this high and Newgarden's that low. Well, are we still forgetting that Kevin Magnussen barely made the list for an excellent F one season. <laughs> it was like 
Yeah, it like it, it's yeah, weird. Like I think again, harkening back on what you said, this really feels like an annual power ranking, which it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't. And for me, like that is a weird spot. Like, don't get me wrong, that does seem about right for Gasly in a vacuum. It's just when you. S- it's gonna feel real bad. Who's next on the list? Right? Surprise me. <laughs> Number twenty-one, up eighteen spots on last year. Third in the IndyCar series. Your reigning Indianapolis five hundred champion, Will huh? Power. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oval Master Will Power. Will Power <laughs> might be the most complete driver in IndyCar. What the hell is he doing down there? <laughs> Seriously, like. Willpower is like a couple of shreds of decent luck away from like winning the last two IndyCar championships. And he's now won a 500. How on earth is he 21st? Willpower is like the blueprint for IndyCar brilliance. <laughs> how is he only how is he only one place ahead of Pierre Gasly? The, look, look, Pierre what? like again. Willpower was already one of the fastest like IndyCar drivers we have ever seen. He's now the best oval driver on the planet. How on earth is he that low? He should be in the top ten. All right. Oh my god. We're, we're feeling the oh, pulse yeah. picking it, up it, here. It, and we've got two yeah, more. How is he one out. spot better than Gasly? How? <laughs> it's it's going to get worse. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Next on the list, number 20. Up one spot on last year. Currently second in the w- in the WEC LMP1 category. Also has podiums in IMSA. Mike Conway. Okay. Conweezy. Conweezy. Um, Conweezy. <laughs> all around solid dude. Um, maybe in That's alright. I just high. feel like... Now, I don't <laughs> want to jump the gun too much. Do, do any of his co-drivers make the list? Uh, <laughs> I suspect somebody does. Again, we're again we're not talking about the other car. We're not talking about the car that. Blemis oh, oh no, no. <laughs> okay, then. I guess if you want to rate it, it's just like, oh yeah, Conway's like the quickest driver over like several average race laps. But I mean, Kobayashi and Lopez aren't that terrible in the same equipment either. Well, if you if you've put one yeah, there, you've kind of got to put his teammates on there, though, no. Yeah, which, again, gets to the problem with the list, especially when you take into account of endurance racing. It's one driver per position, but endurance racing, you have to share your car. Did they draw names out of a hat? Is that it? (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay, so next on the list, number 19, down four spots on last year, 12th in the Formula One World Drivers Championship, Esteban Ocon. How is Ocon down spots? Like, look, okay. Here's the thing, right? Ocon, right? He might be, like, low-key the best young driver Formula One has had in quite some time. Like, the biggest compliment I can say about Esteban Ocon is it looks like he's been driving for five years already. And like, he walked in, got off the bus, and was immediately, like, excellent. So... Kerfuffle at Interlagos aside and looking back on it, it wasn't even all his fault. No, and he whooped Sergio Perez's ass last year. So... Yeah. 
everything but the points. Yeah. Uh, and again, we, we knew that was at least a 15-point swing coming from Baku because Perez was on the podium in a race that Ocon DNF'd. Um, it's, okay, it's still about right for Ocon. It's not an egregious pick by any stretch to have him there, but... Yeah, like, Ocon kind of... Like, uh, Autosport kind of tried to defend their Ocon pick by saying that he was ninth on the team principal's top 10 F1 drivers list. That is very list. high. That is actually... To be fair, though, that is about right. Um, Yeah, like, Ocon is a stud. We all know that. We, he doesn't need to be an F1 for us to say that. In a pound-for-pound pound list, that actually is probably about right. You're probably not going to pump him up after this year, so... 18 no. 18 up 14 spots on last year currently ninth in the in the WEC GT Pro category and he was third last season in Formula E Sam Bird yo you're watching Bird up the best show on television <laughs> Bird up and yeah I would say maybe 18's a, a little, little high. bit high, but it's like if I had to drop him down, it'd be one or two spots. I'd probably say he's just yeah, in the right place. Yeah, a little high, I would say. I think low 20s would have been about right. Um, but it's, again, I mean, runner-up in Formula E last season. Uh, oh, third, sorry, I, no, I forgot. Third, third, remember? He he, he ended up third. losing yeah, a place last right. weekend, which yeah, is that, sad. So sad. Um, yeah, like, Bird is a phenomenal driver. And again, he's, again, he's, again, he's another one of those guys that if you go in by previous reputation, he's been a linchpin of excellence in Formula E for quite a long time. Um, often in inferior machinery as well. A little high for Bird. Um, but again, not egregious. I'm fine with that. Yeah, where uh, I think they mentioned that Bird has always been a part of where Autosport kind of say that uh, Sam Bird is the best driver in Formula E who has never won yeah. the Drivers' Championship. They say yeah. that he's a part of their big three in Formula E, uh, Lucas Agrassi, Sebastian Buemi, and Sam Bird. They say that it's a big four now with John Eric Verne, but uh, I, I wouldn't say I rate him that highly, but I rate yeah. him Yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty fair assessment. Next! Okay, uh, next, number 17... Uh, re-entering the list, your DTM champion, Gary Paffin. Hmm. That's the thing. I distinctively remember the year when Pascal Verlein became youngest ever DTM champion, and they put him ninth on the list. Autosport loves them yep. some DTM, so, like, I want to be mad at this, but... Given also sports past editions of this list, they've actually been quite conservative here. Well, which is... <laughs> yeah, it, it fits yeah, it their does. logic. Like, like again, I want to be mad at this. I can't. It's really annoying. Like because again, they had Pascal P nine about three years ago. So, like, yeah, that's actually not too bad. Given, I mean, okay, you clearly value DTM as a series quite high. So, but by their logic and how their power ranking this series in comparison to the others that's probably about right for where they would put their DTM champ and Gary Paffett is great nine places higher than the champion of the series that it aspires to be oh and uh little spoiler Gary Paffett's not the highest ranked DTM driver on this list and I think I know hmm. why go on number 16 
uh, number 16, up eight spots on last year. Don't know why they need to mention that he won a Brazilian stock, well, a stock car Brazil race this year, but runner-up in Formula, Formula E last year, Lucas Degrassi. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, that's the thing. If you're going to, like, didn't, is that a drop for Lucas? No, okay. he's up eight spots. That's it. He's up eight spots on his championship yeah, year. I, I, find, <laughs> I, I, how, I find it... How much do you value that comeback? That's, what, that's exactly the point that's I was true. about to make. It's like, we forget how big a hole he was in earlier in, when he won that championship. So, Starting in Punta del Este. Second, 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 second. First, first, second. Yeah, he's a monster when he gets his shit together in Formula E. He's an absolute weapon. Um, yeah, I'm kind of annoyed. Again, that actually isn't all that egregious. Um, it's it's weird, but, you know, can't can't say any more than that. 15, 15 yeah, not terrible, annoyingly. 16, sorry. My no, bad, 16, yeah. 16. Um, yes. Yeah, onward to 15, up two spots on last year with E. Ooh, I'd probably say his passport's real full because... Uh, Let's see, GT3 and WTCR outings with Audi, uh, IMSA outings with Mazda, and runner-up in DTM, Rene ah. Rast. Who won one, two, three, four, five, six races to end the DTM season. That was kind of what I was getting yeah, at. Yeah, they, they went through the last week here, didn't they? Um, okay, okay. Um... I'm guessing for the more o- overall pound for pound influence, they've put Rast that high up. So, I, I, I get. Keep in, keep in mind that um, hot streaks, especially during the middle to end portion of a season, have become a theme later on in other series and other drivers who appear from those series. Yep. Uh, next we're not driver. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. Next driver up five spots, number 14 on the list. Runner-up in the World Rally Championship, Terry Nouvelle. Yeah, that seems about right. It's not a bad show. Yeah, that seems yeah. about right. It's like, it feels weird that we're finally mentioning a rally driver. It does. <laughs> nobody, el- nobody else made the list before him, though. That is interesting. Yeah. We started WIC hard. Well, I'm, guess- I'm guessing there's at least one more on that list from rally. No? At least one more, yes. Yeah, at least. Gotcha. Okay, number 13, probably wouldn't like that number, down six spots on last year, sixth in the Formula One World Drivers Championship, Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, I, I guess they had to really, given just how unlucky he was this season to have six mechanical breakdowns. I mean, he was always going to go down. It, it, it sucks. I've you know, p- part of me wants to believe that they purposely put him at number thirteen. That would be unlucky for that, some. That would be funny, <laughs> wouldn't it? Like that would be that would be some really funny autosport like slack chack inside joke, wouldn't it? Uh, that seems like a very autosport thing to do. But uh, yeah, I mean, they were always going to lower him. To be fair, given how his Formula One season played out, it was dreadful. Um, Again, not really his fault, but they've got to lower him. They haven't got a choice. It's just the nature of this F1 season, really, more than anything else. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
number 12 on the list, re-entering the list, your IndyCar Series runner-up, Alexander Rossi. Seems about right, actually. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... Look, Rossi's a juggernaut, okay? He is going to win, like, all the things for years to come. I have no doubt about that. He's a monster. He should not be this good, this young into his IndyCar career. Like, for darn sure. Like, yeah. he's a freak in that sense. In a series, it's really, really hard for younger drivers to stand out. One, because their support system is super good. And two, because of the, the spec nature of the series, the veterans get a massive, massive advantage in that sense. But Alex Rossi has been like an elite driver in IndyCar for a good season and a half now. So, yeah, I have no qualms with 12. That actually seems a, about right for Alex. So... Yeah, I'm okay with that. And all those passes at Indy. Oh, dear God, all of them. All 117 of them. <laughs> 11? We're at number 11. Yeah, number 11. Up two spots on last year. Seventh in the Formula One World Drivers Championship. And your undisputed Formula 1.5 World Champion, Nico Hulkenberg. Wow, Hulkenberg at 11. Jeez. Um... Yeah, they literally mention it in in in, the, in his section that uh, under the actual point system, or if you want to award twenty five points, yeah. uh, for uh, for a one point five victory, Hulkenberg would be champion under both systems. Man. Like I said, Hulkenberg was low key reading season. Like he basically single handedly derailed the Carlos Sainz hype train. Won the 1.5 title because we all know that no one is touching the big six of a barge pole for at least another couple of years, I reckon. Um, Hulkenberg was low key good. Like, very good. I wouldn't go out and say great because he had a couple of goofs in there, but 11 seems a mm. little high. Yeah. Um, and they also mentioned the fact that he also had the most class, quote-unquote class wins in yeah. 1.5. That, that's a bit of an issue. But I think 11's a little bit on the high side, but I don't think it's terrible by any stretch. Um, little steep, though. I mean, I wouldn't have him one spot above Alex Rossi. Let's put it that way. Mm. All right, we've made it now. We're at the top 10. This is the big boys part. This is uh, this is the point from whence we do not from oh boy, whence we do not 10. return. This top ten is so exciting. <laughs> oh please, autosport.com, don't go down now. Don't go down. Now. Let me just pull it up on the, the phone. phone. <laughs> I do actually, um, thanks to the F1 subreddit, I've I've snuck in the top ten. Um, would sure. you like me to feed you number ten? At number ten on the list, your Formula 2 champion, George Russell. Hmm. Hmm. Keep in mind, his uh, his nearest title rivals were 31st and 29th. Kings, they will be delighted to hear this news. Yes. Um, that, like, I wonder. King, do you know where Charles Leclerc finished last year? Well, give me one second. I could pull that up. He finished in the exact same position. Ah, so you're not... Formula 2 is weighted, um, is weighted the same, actually. 
Yeah, I think that's a little high. A little high, not too high. Again. And when I when I mean same position, he was tenth last year. Okay. Oh, I thought you meant it's in the same position he was. He was in last year, and he didn't want to spoil it. My bad. Um, ah, yes. So, okay. And by that logic, then that's absolutely fine. I, I I guess they weight Formula Two quite highly if you're champion. Which again, if you're waiting a Formula One list that high, again makes sense. Um, well, I think they weight rookie champions at all. Well, definitely. Again, yeah. that's fair. They're, yeah, that's absolutely. Those are very rare. Again, that's a list of Nico, Lewis, the other Nico, Charles, and George. It's a it's a pretty elite club, and if you if you're a rookie F1 guy, chances are you're really really good. So, I'm okay with that. Hey, uh, King, you got that list pulled back up yet? Yep, I got it up. Number nine. 13th in the Formula One World Drivers Championship. Oh, no. Your rookie of the year, Charles Leclerc, Ooh. one spot up on last Ooh. year. <laughs> For a second there, like I, I, I thought that like that was who I thought it was going to be. Um, although I fear he's probably higher up. It is he, Leclerc. It is he, it is Leclerc. He. And to be fair, he was like. He was going to have to really go some to get any higher than the already insanely high position he was in. So, I'm okay with I'm okay with him at 9. Like Leclerc was spectacular, okay? Like we had him as our rookie of the year partly. Um and yeah, he was superb in F1 this year. He probably is already a top 10 driver in F1 pound for pound. So, sure, that's fine by me. Okay, next on the list, number eight, down four spots on last year, your Formula One World Drivers Vice Champion, Sebastian Vettel. Hmm. Eight, you say? Yes, he's down four spots in last year. You know what? That's fine. That's that, fine. Okay. Yeah, like you were expecting me to explode, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. <sighs> look, right. don't worry, don't worry. I feel like uh, <laughs> I feel like this will pick up. Your look, look, look. Yeah, it's gonna pick up look, real quick. I, I have to admit, Sebastian made critical errors that you do you should not expect of someone who is ranked as a top five driver in the world, pound for pound. Okay, like it, it is fair to drop him, even though he was runner-up in the championship. He was a distant second to the guy who is probably, I'm going to guess, is number one. Uh, we'll get to him in a bit. But for those guys that were expecting me to be mad at this, eight probably is about right. This was a slightly down year for Seb. So, I, I get- oh no no, there there are a couple of drivers ahead of him that you're really not going. Surprise me. We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we cross yeah. it. Go we'll, on. we'll tell you that he's not even the highest ranked Sebastian on the list. <laughs> well, one of them I can understand why he'd be up there. Oh, no, that's, that's the segue. Next on the list, number seven. Down two spots on last year, your World Rally Champion, Sebastian Ogier. For the sixth time in a row. Okay. Fine with that. Sebastian Ogier is an absolute monster. Like, I love that Toki in the Discord, who is like the the linchpin of Hamilton fans, is actually mad on my behalf that Vela was only at eight. 
<laughs> You're okay with this? I'm not okay with that. I, okay, like, if you want to be mad on my behalf, then feel free. Like, I think that's funny. But no, OGA is a beast. We all know that. Like, he's a monster. He's won the WRC so many goddamn times and in so many different machines. He's he's the pound-for-pound pound king of rallying at the moment. Like, yes. that's... Wins in Monaco, Mexico, Corsica, and Wales Rally GB. Yeah, he's pretty much... Half of the prestige rounds. Yeah, he's a beast. That, that's absolutely fine by me. Yeah, no problem with that at all. Okay, next on the list, up 12 spots on last year, your IndyCar champion, Scott Dixon. He should always be in the top five, but fine. <laughs> um, well, he's not in top, he's six. He made it to the fast sits. <laughs> well, that would be a change for Scott Dixon the way his season played out, didn't it? But um, it's like, yeah, Dixon actually made a far six. Wow, what a shocker! Um, a little low, but I mean, let's be real here—they're not weighted IndyCar very highly, so this this was about as good as they were going to get for IndyCar, I suppose. Um, if Rossi, yeah. if Rossi is, is, if Rossi is just outside the top ten, Dixon should be deep inside of it. So um, yeah, that's fine by me. Again, I'm annoyed. I'm not annoyed enough at this list. I'm guessing it's coming, isn't okay. it? Okay. Oh, it's coming. It's gonna be real late. Real late. Okay, keep it coming. But yeah, down three spots on last year. Ooh. Fourth in the Formula One World Drivers Championship. Ooh. Number five. Max Verstappen. Okay. Hmm. This one was controversial because how highly do you rate the slump that he had at the start of the year compared to how awesome he finished the end the season at the end? It's annoying. Yeah. And again, and again, uh, they also mentioned second on the team principals top ten list. The team principals don't know Jack, but like you know. <laughs> but, but like that's the thing like RJ is, is, is spot on on this like he had it was a tale of two seasons the first half was dreadful the second half was exceptional um like he's probably going down here because he was fourth overall in a year where you know the top two in the championship were ahead by a country mile that's not entirely Max's fault he was in a car that couldn't win till the last five races of the season realistically so, five, again, if you're knocking Seb down four spots, you kind of have to do the same with Max here, because Max had similar big errors for a guy who you, you, you voted number two last year. Like, that puts him in, like, the elite of the elite level standards. Um, so, at least they've been consistent on that front. They've lowered Seb four spots. They've done about the same to Max here. So, pound for pound, Max is a beast right now. So, I get it. Like, I, again, I'm not mad at this. I'm really annoyed. I should be I should be seething right now, but Max at five is probably about right, annoyingly. The next pick has people mad, but for different reasons that you might expect. This is one I actually had to study up on. Go on. Yeah, because uh, they Autosport goes into a bit of speculation territory with their next pick. Up eight spots on last year, your World Rally Vice Vice Champion, huh? third in the championship, number four, Atanak. 
Uh, they open it. They open this section by saying, "Participate." Uh, precipitation on the Swedish-Norwegian border, a Portuguese rock, and his Toyota's fragile front end cost Ottenak his first World Rally Championship this season. So they heavily imply that he should have been champion. He had more stage wins than any other driver on the circuit, including OJ. WRC.com rated them as their driver of the year the awards banquet. He had a hat-trick of wins at Finland, Germany, and Turkey, uh, that vaulted him up in the catapult. And again, that was just his first year with Toyota, which is a second-year program. Um, I understand that, like, yeah, I understand that it's, like, a bit silly that your third-place driver is ranked higher than your first-place driver, reigning six-time-in-a-row champion. But OJ wasn't at his best, and Tanak made that interesting when he wasn't supposed to be. This is still a hell of a reach, though. Like... Yeah, like, I, I think it's more of an issue that they offered the World Rally the, the world rally Championship this level of nuance. Right! The other series don't right. get Formula this. Formula 1 doesn't get this, right? So, when I, like, if by Formula 1's logic, Fernando's going to be, like, number two or something, but, oh no. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit, he he's dropped out. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Like, I think a light bulb just went on in my head there. <laughs> oh, shit. Hold that thought, everybody. It'll probably be becoming poignant later. <laughs> oh, dear God. So... Okay. Don't tell me I was on the nose. Please don't tell me I was on the nose. If you had you this move on, to the, next on one? the tops and uh, on the third step of a podium compared to the next two drivers in about 2012-2013, you'd be like, nah, that's silly. Go on. But he's here. So, yeah. Next, uh, re-entering the list, uh, (laughs) your European Le Mans series vice champion and reigning Formula E champion, Jean-Eric Verne. And should have been LMP2 winner at Le Mans. (laughs) <laughs> Jeff was third. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff was, was third. third. <sighs> Jeff dominated Formula E, and they literally had to put in in a section an opinion piece on why Formula E isn't overrated. Cam, I I know, but that that cheating wasn't on Jeff. <laughs> no, like G G drives race preparation put evil on Jeff. No, okay, okay, okay. <sighs> Again. I can't believe I'm saying this, but if they had Wemmy third last year, they kind of have to put Jeff in the same spot here. Like, yep, I mentioned it earlier. Keep like I mentioned it earlier. Shit, it's like okay, if they had Wemmy third last year for having a very similar level of achievement, like they kind of have to put Vern that high, like by their own logic, if they're rating Formula E that highly. I don't agree with it per se. I think Vern should be a couple of sp- like probably four or five spots lower. I think as a fringe spot in the top ten, maybe. I think that seems about right. But third is steep. Yikes! You nuanced the shit out of one yep. of your rally drivers to put him fourth, and then you put Vern <laughs> one spot above him. That just seems weird to me, more than anything else. So okay. Next, next one. 
number two, up one spot on last year, 11th in the Fortnite no. Drivers Championship. Uh, your 24 Tear hours of all winner, your WEC LMP1 Championship leader, Fernando oh, Alonso. Tear it up. No, no, sis. <laughs> We're doing this again. <laughs> We're doing this. We, yes, we are back here. We lob we it up. Here. We lob it up, and we, we throw it we, down. Actually, I'm I'm actually kind of pissed that you know, Alonzo makes it this high. Fleming's mid twenties. How? How? Uh, where's Kazuki Nakajima? This, the other driver of the, the car. This is complete fucking nonsense. Fernando wasn't even that impressive in Formula One this year. How on earth is he second? So. <sighs> They have a feature here. I'm just going to read out the first, the headline subheader and first paragraph. Alonso in sports cars, a masterclass in commitment. Alonso's commitment to his rookie season in the WEC with Toyota and his ultimately successful bid to win the 24 hours uh, was nothing he short of amazing. One car! That commitment was almost consistently evident both on and off the racetrack. He raced one car in the WEC. We're pleased because he's committed. Well, thank God. It's about time Fernando Alonso was actually committed to something other than his own ego. What a fantastic example for the other young'uns to follow. No, this is complete nonsense. That's... That, that. And in the main passage, they mentioned that his heroics in, F in F1 going largely unrewarded made it easier to swallow his Toyota his Toyota team's unopposed status in the in its parallel world endurance championship. Are we just going to over gloss over the fact that he raced the Rolex 24 with United Autosport? Oh yeah, they don't and mention it. Even though it at Lando all. was the one that took most of the headlines from that performance, like. No, no. And obviously, they mention his quote, his twenty-one and O qualifying oh, demolition off. of teammate Stoffel Van Dorn reflects Alonzo's ability to drive around the limitations that would constrain oh, most baby, other drivers. Shaft. Like, this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> Look, Stoffel Van Dorn had a car with a cracked chassis for half the season. Come on, like this. This is... There we go. There uh, it is. This is such <laughs> utter bloviation here. Like, I get less, like, exciting blowjob sequences on Pornhub. This is ridiculous. <laughs> no! He is not the second best driver. Why are we still giving Fernando the benefit of the doubt for shit he did five years ago? I don't understand this. It's like... Of course he's going to beat Stoffel. He had the team built round him for three goddamn years. Van, Van Dorn could not have been put in a worse position in Formula 1 history. Fernando, like, where was the heroics of, of last season? He had one brilliant Grand Prix in Australia, and that was mostly down to the nature of Australia itself, where it's impossible to overtake anybody. Like... Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. You're forgetting that time he drove back to the pits at Azerbaijan with one wheel and still hauled points after that. Great for viral hot takes, not great for actual season results. No, listen, listen, listen. I, I, I think the they end with a, a quote from Sebastian Foemi and then one sentence added on, which pretty much sums up how Autosport feels about Fernando Alonso. Uh, so, uh, quote... I was thinking maybe he would treat 
the first Lamont of the Super Season as a learning year, then go for the win next year, says Boemi. That wasn't the case at all. I was really imp impressed by his focus and how he never gives up. He wasn't just there to participate. End quote. Then, then it closes out the section... But then, Alonso doesn't go motor racing to just participate. Also, is that why he's been with McLaren for the last five years? <laughs> a, a, a word? A, a word. Okay. Like, Cam makes the point better than I did. He had to race one car worth a damn in Formula 1 with a teammate that was always going to get his ass kicked, right? And that was Stoffel, which is a shame, because yeah. Stoffel is a great driver and way better than any list will make him sound. It says a lot about Stoffel when half the goddamn paddock was defending him in Formula 1. And it was like, listen, we all know Stoffel is better than this. And then he goes to the WEC, which we all knew was going to be a circle jerk. This series literally changed its calendar to give Fernando the best possible chance of success, right? He walked into a, into an LMP1 situation. Again, this is not totally on Fernando, right? But he walked into an LMP1 scenario where there was one factory team left. And it makes it doubly annoying when he claimed that was the toughest Le Mans win ever because there was 10 cars in the fucking class, even though we all knew only two had a realistic shot at winning. Like, this is completely ridiculous. Like, I I've said it before and I will say it again. Fernando is probably better than the McLaren makes him look. I am not denying this for a second. But I don't understand how Fernando will always get the benefit of the doubt from the media. I, because he, he ticks every narrative box that F1 journalists love. Like, he races in multiple series. He's going after a triple crown, which nobody gave a shit about until Fernando started making it a narrative. Because... Montoya had two stages of the Triple Crown for years and no one cared about him going after the third until Fernando brought it up because we knew he was never going to win title number three. And now it's this shit. He was not that impressive in Formula One this year. Now don't get me wrong, his car was a donkey. I'm not denying that for a second, right? But you honestly are looking at this situation right now He's in, and you're telling me he's the second best driver in the world pound for pound yeah, i i yeah. think it's i think it's yeah. the fact that compared to who we're going to talk about next he is the diehard superstar he is the person who is probably the most famous racing driver in the world who did just just racing i get it i get why they've done it but i think it's egregious and i think I think it's an insult to half the list that Fernando Alonso is that high up for racing in series, almost to feed his own ego at this point. Because we, anyone that thinks that winning the WEC title and winning Le Mans in that LMP1 situation is more prestigious than it's been in recent years has to be kidding themselves. There is no other logic for it. Otherwise, it's complete BS. So, no. Alonso should not be in the top. He should not. He is not the second best pound for pound driver on the planet. He's not even the second best pound for pound driver in either class he currently races in. Like I do not understand the logic here at all. He shouldn't be in the top ten. Quite frankly, he may even make a case he shouldn't even be in the top twenty this year. Quite frankly, so no, like I, I, I no, just no. Like I just. This almost makes up for the rest of the list actually not being terrible this year. Like, Jesus. <laughs> just, wow. 
And second, fuck me. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. M- moving on to Autosports Driver of the Year. No change, obviously. It is your Formula One World Drivers Champion, Lewis. Oh well, yeah, because <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Well, yeah. Though, uh, I, I do love they point out that uh, Hamilton has won the award on three other occasions. And they list out uh, pretty much every driver of the year since the year 2002. And you'd be surprised how many times the Formula One world champion has not been driver oh, of the good. year. So, it's good to know that Lewis Hamilton was that spectacular that they put him Lewis, over the top. So, this is Lewis... This is Lewis's fourth Driver of the Year award. Uh, only during three of those years he was actually world champion. Mm. Look. Was 2007... They did not give him the award. They did not give him the award in 2008. Was it 2007 was the other year out? 2009. Uh, no, that makes sense. So, going through the list, years were F1 driver... F1 World Champions weren't Autosport Driver of the Year. Uh, 2005, they did not award it to Alonso. They gave it to Sebastian Loeb. Uh, 2008, they gave it to Robert Kubica instead of Lewis Hamilton. 2009, they gave it to Lewis Hamilton instead of uh, Jensen Button. 2012, (laughs) yep. Okay. Uh, 2012, they gave it to Fernando Alonso instead of of Vettel. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Of 2014, they gave it to Daniel Ricciardo instead of Lewis Hamilton. That one did actually make a little bit of sense. A little bit. Uh, 2016, they gave it to Daniel Ricciardo instead of Nico Rosberg. Mm. So, uh, Daniel Ricciardo has won Driver of the Year two times. I can make a case for 14. 16's a bit of a reach. But, yeah, it's surprisingly, yeah, the last time anyone uh, outside of F1 has won Driver of the Year was Sebastian Loeb. Look, I'm not going to waste too much time on this because, yeah, Lewis should absolutely be number one. We've established this. Yeah, which is kind of why we're not going to, we're pretty much yeah, not talking no, about it. Lewis is, Lewis is really awesome as a driver. Yeah. Like, uh, just, uh, just... Go listen to our F1 season review. Pretty much yeah. we all agree. Minor spoiler, he got the first 10 out of 10 in the history of me doing season reviews, which kind of puts it into perspective of just how spectacular I thought Hamilton was this year. It, he absolutely is undisputedly number one on the planet right now. That, I've got zero problem with that. If they got that wrong, I'd have burnt the Autosport live on video, quite frankly. Um, and waved it in front of the entire academy at Autosport International, which I will be at next week. Um, so that, that would have been a fun reaction. I would have been thrown out by security, but that would have been funny. Um, but no, yeah. Hamilton at one is absolutely fine. I've got no problem with that. To be fair, in general, it's like, not a bad list. It's just, I think... Just one glaring, glaring... One glaring issue. I still think they're a bit selective with nuance across the board like with the rally situation like having some of the better F1 drivers of this season either too high or too low like Hulkenberg I think was a bit steep at 11 I think K-Mac being down in the mid 40s was silly um, I think... but like you know what the craziest part about this is 
Autosport doesn't cover rallying in-house. <laughs> right, and yet they still had, like, what was it, three rally drivers in the top 12? <sighs> yeah. Well, it was three rally drivers on the list, period. <laughs> right, and they had three of them in, like, the top 15. I, fi- I find that crazy. So, like, if you... Yeah, if you go on the Autosport website, they mention that all their rally coverage is provided by uh, the Motorsport News. Funny that. And yet they put three rally drivers that high up the board, including one who didn't even win the championship, and they basically gifted him the championship to justify putting them that high up the board. I got nothing. Uh, I've got nothing on this one. Um... I think that'll just about do it, folks. Um, let's get the hell out of Dodge before my head explodes. Fernando Alonso is <laughs> fucking two. Seriously. Every year. For literally. Yeah, literally the entire time. Like, oh, listen, not bad. Listen, not bad. Don't know what you guys are on about. And then. <laughs> you guys knew. You knew all along. I don't like you guys anymore. Um, you all bought <laughs> it. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> that'll just about do it for this week's show before I give up on humanity and autosports in general youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 twitter at motorsport underscore 101 our personal handles at harrison101hd at ryan eric king at rj o'connell if you really really like us you can back us financially on patreon patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five bucks gets you into this show and bike lives early access ten dollars gets you into our discord server um as well and you can check all of that info out on our website motorsport101.com some new written content from mules truly on there as well a dre versus dre and more season review content will be up there in the coming days um Thank you all very much for listening. Um, thanks, as always, to Ryan King and our Joe O'Connell with me. I'm now going to book about 50 hours worth of counselling. Until next time, I've been Andre Harrison. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Happy New Year, y'all. Bye. You are the world champion! Seriously, fucking number two? What? How did he end up at two? Kobayashi got snubbed. Gee, you have no idea. Like, how on earth did he get snubbed for that shit? Like, that is ridiculous. Did they, did they toss a coin to decide which which <laughs> team member would get on the list? Like, I, I just don't. I, I think we should just stop the recording now before we say something we regret. Alonzo deserved to be number one and stop.